TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bo. We've already been through two weeks of NFL football, and I've loved every second of it. Literally, Bo, all the talk of possibly not having football is what makes having football so much better. And now I've got Georgia's first game coming up this weekend. I'm pretty much on cloud nine. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I I couldn't be any happier. (laughs) I get to watch my Bulldogs, man. I've just been able to watch football every Sunday, Thursday, Monday. It's it's been awesome, man. I just love football. It it, it almost feels as if it's normal outside. Then you got to put a mask on to go to the grocery store. It does. It does. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, everything's football's here. You know, football is being played. And again, man, I really think that's what it is. I think fans yeah. are enjoying it and even I more this year. I don't know about you, but I mean, I don't live in that. We don't live in a city where you can just go down the street and go to the stadium. You know, it, it it's felt pretty normal watching football to me. And I mean, I haven't felt like, oh, gosh, like I'm not seeing footage of the fans. You know, I've been I've been super excited for games to kick off every night. I have been waiting for the NFL's product just as excited as when there were butts in the seats. Yeah, well, you know, you were talking to me the other day. We were watching the game together. We were watching the Steelers and the Giants game, and you were telling me that, you know, I don't really realize that fans aren't at the games. You know, because no. you don't see that on TV. You don't really realize They're doing that. a good job. The camera, you know, I'm even you, – you, they, don't, they don't put it that far out, you know. Yeah, they don't. So I think they've done a really good job of that. But it makes you, like you said, think everything is normal when obviously everyone knows that it's not right now. But hopefully getting better. Hopefully it's all getting better. Um, Guys, on this episode, we're going to talk about our biggest takeaways from the first two weeks of the NFL season. I'm going to give some takeaways. Bo and myself both are. We have a lot of similar takeaways because, you know, we've seen a lot of the same stuff. But some of them are different. I'm ready to hear some of those. We're also going to talk about the biggest injuries that have happened through the first two weeks. It's been a really, really injury-riddled season already. So we're going to jump into all of that. Talk about some draft stuff. Talk about some college football stuff. Big Ten's backs. We'll, we'll go into that a little bit. But we're going to jump right into these biggest takeaways from the first two weeks. And, Bo, my first take is the Jets absolutely have the worst offense in the NFL. <laughs> and I, I don't think I don't think anyone's competing with them. I, I really no, don't think yeah. they are, man. It, it literally seems I'll put it to you like this. It literally seems like either they hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell or the never a, or the yeah, or the never a, aging Frank Gore yeah. and expect him to make something out of nothing. Or they want to hit Jamison Crowder on an underneath route. Constantly. Well, I got a question. And now he's hurt, too. I got a question for you, and this is my take on the Jets, is how many more weeks, what's your over-under on on how many more weeks Gase has a job? Because I don't think – I'm under four weeks. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. If they lose the next three games, there's no way. So so something I put down in my notes is I don't even know if Gase makes it through the year as the head coach. And when I put down year, I was like, I don't know if he makes it to, you know, week eight. Right now, I'm not at week six with it. I really don't. It, it's It's been an absolute disaster, man. And I don't know, you know, there's a lot of talk about Sam Darnold right now just constantly not taking the next step. Yeah. I feel like he has had problems with coaches. He also doesn't have the best weapons. But, you know, you can't blame it all on that. But I do not think – Gase came in as this, what, quarterback, quarterback guru, right? Oh, yeah. He was supposed to be this big offensive scheme guru with, you know, quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Sam Darnold was going to take that leap with him because Adam Gase just knows what he's doing with a quarterback. Yeah, he's going to help, help him evolve. <laughs> it's not happening, man. So if you want me to be honest with you, Bo, if, if Gase is still there at week eight and they are still playing this bad, I would be unbelievably surprised. That, that he is still a head coach. I think they're going to go to an interim head coach by week eight. That's what I was saying. You're saying I, yeah. week six. You, you think you really think they'll give it that long? I mean, for real, if they're if they lose three more games in a row, I mean, I just don't see 
how they wait around for that. You know, okay, I mean, so- they're, they're zero and two. They lose three more. I, I don't see why. What would they be waiting for come week eight? You know. Okay, so I would say any other team probably doesn't wait that long. But we're talking about the Jets. So sure. I, I could, you're right. I could easily that. see the Jets just being like, hey, well, you know, we'll roll with it. Like, it's They're, just something the Jets would do. We've discussed in the past about, you know, on the phone together and stuff about teams that have, they're just, it's not the players. It's it's the top of the organization. And the Jets are one of those teams that from the top down, things are just wrong. It's just, it's really, really bad, man. And again, the whole Sam Donald thing, it does bother me because I was really high on him coming out of USC. Do you, you know, think I, he's been tainted? Do you think that if he was with like, even if he had started his career with John Gruden, do you think he'd be better off? I think he would think be, he'd be a better off. quarterback right now. I mean, if he had been given Harbaugh or been given, I mean, I have no doubt if he'd been given Shanahan or somebody like that, he'd be doing pretty well. But I mean, do you think he's been tainted by the whole by the Jets? Do you I think, think there's any hope for another coach to be better with him? I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were talking about, you know, can Sam, could Sam Darnold go somewhere else? And at this point, could he still reach his potential? And to be honest with you, I think the answer is no. I do, I think quarterbacks do get tainted, right? I do think yeah. being in a bad situation for so long and just this, things not going right for you, it takes part of them. It becomes part of them, and and I feel like it, it gets in their head. And you know, we've already known Sam Darnold has had issues like seeing ghosts. You know, that was that was a big joke last year that he was seeing ghosts and just was not making the right decisions. And what what I don't know, just. It was. It was just Sam Darnold was going through that, something. That, that last seeing year that ghost weird. clip was just brutal for his whole career. It was. It was. But you know that gets in his head. Whether he'd like to say that, you know, players will always come out and say and say, no, you know, I don't care about that stuff. But they do. They do care about that stuff. They're people, just like you know me and you are, and everybody yeah. listening. So I think even if he went somewhere else or got a great coach in there, I think he would still struggle. I think it's just it's not. He has never been in the right situation, and and now it's it's taken a toll on him. For his career, I, I don't. I don't see. I think he could be better than he is. I don't, be I don't think I've be. ever seen a game where I thought, you know, I mean, at least I don't watch too many Jets games. They don't play too many in the area here. But you know, how much fun can the guy be having? He can't be having that much. I just fun, don't man. see how he could be having. I mean, it, it's got to be some mornings. His body has just got to just just hate him for it, and he's got to hate it too. Well, you know, Jamison Crowder is their number one receiving weapon on that team, right? Well, Jamison Crowder's hurt now. So who'd he go to yeah. last last game? Braxton Berrios. His right? one and his number one and two targets this year are both hurt. Yeah. Perryman it, and him. They were supposed to be his one and two. It's bad, man. It, it's brutal watching Jets games. Yeah. Because the yeah, offense I mean, just cannot get going. It, it's so RB one, wide receiver one, wide receiver two are all hurt. I mean, the their tight ends are are serviceable, but I mean they can make the catches, but they're not they're not the Jimmy Graham types in their prime. They're not going to get you 120 yards, you know, of offense. They're going to yeah. get you 30 yards of offense, three four catches, and one might be a touchdown. You know, that's the kind of tight ends they are, which is you need those guys, but that's not going to help you when your best two wide receiving targets go down. Yeah, absolutely. And they're again, not Noah fan, you know. I, I can't stress enough that just Darnold has not been given anything to work with. Yes, the team signed Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell has not looked like the Le'Veon Bell. He was with the Steelers because I don't I, think that I year think, off did anything. I think making the move to the New York Jets is the worst decision he could ever make. It's the worst, man. And you know what? What's sad about that is I believe Le'Veon Bell at that point cared so much about the money he got and making a statement that he didn't think about what the best decision was. You know, and, I I was listening to a podcast I think um, today, and it was I think I think it was about I think it was a Steelers podcast. It might have been the terrible podcast. Um, they were just talking about how. 
you just know it was actually uh, the two announcers for the game that, that they do this. They've done every Steelers games for 20 years. You know, Tunch and uh, Wolf, Tunch Ilkin and Craig Wolfley. They were saying that yeah. they've just heard that, you know, Le'Veon Bell likes what football gives him more than the game of football. And, you know, sometimes I feel like you can see that, you know. I mean, he he was chasing the big bag of money. He's always wanted to rap and always been in social media. And, you know, it's it hasn't always been all about football. So, you know, and he's been – obviously he loves training and he takes his body serious and all that. But that's necessary to make the money as well. Yeah. You know, and it could be reflecting in New York. You know, you get to New York, all of a sudden I'm the starting running back for the Jets in New York City. You know, that comes yep. with a lot of pressure. You know, guys like Curtis, that's, you know, there's been a lot of good running backs in Jets history. You know what I oh, mean? There's been, there's been a lot of them. And, 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 and you know, they're always famous while they're the starter. And, but you were talking about Adam Gase just making it to the year. You know, Adam Gase in his press conference after they got, you know, beat up and down the field, mm-hmm. you know, this past Sunday, he said, you know, no one wants to go out there and, and you know, pretty much get their ass kicked. You know, no yeah. one wants to do that. But yeah, well, then do something different, though. Like, I, I really have a, a – it really bugs me. You just watch a Jets game, and it's the same game Jets plan Jets have perpetually been getting their their uh, ass whipped for a long time. It's it's bad. And I feel bad for the fans, man. I really, really do because it's just never been a changeup. They've gone through coaches, and they've just stayed bad, at least for the Browns right now. Now, I'm not saying it's, it, it's going to be a big win, but Kevin Stefanski really looked like he got that offense going when they played the Bengals, right? They, yeah, they but, had, but both you got to understand the front of the Bengals was hurt. It was you know, hurt. That, they, that's that, fine. That, that, he could not get anything going against a good front like the Ravens that's healthy with Derek Wolf and Calais okay. Campbell yeah, out there. You were at missing least, Geno Atkins in the middle. At least, you know? at least it looks like Kevin Stefanski has the team running well, on some sort we of We all know the blueprint now. of that team. The team he was handed, the blueprint was there. The 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 two headed monster in Kareem and Hunt, Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb is what you had, and then you had two good receivers that could beat you deep with with play action, unbelievable play action ability with those two running backs. You know the the blueprint was already there. You just needed a guy who knew how to run a team. Exactly. he's he, he comes from a good bloodline. I think his dad. I remember. I think I heard somewhere his dad was in the front office of the uh, of an NFL team or something. He's he came up around NFL coaching. You need a guy who knows how to run a team, and they might have that with him. You yeah, know? I, but, think but the, I think they do. I think Kevin Spots is a good coach. I think he's a really good coach. Oh yeah, I'm he, much he's better an up-tempo than Freddie guy. Kitchen's a lot of energy. Not qualified. Yeah, no, Freddie Kitchen. That that experiment was one of the Horrible. worst experiments I've ever seen. I yeah. mean, just in decision making, Bo. I mean, when we, when we did the first ever TSR podcast, we were already talking about how bad, how many bad decisions Freddie Kitchens was making. Oh, just less. as a coach, just as a coach. I mean, off even the field. down to the stuff he was like wearing around his kids and stuff out in public. Yeah, like, exactly. that's the thing that sticks out to me the most. That's you know, the thing that sticks out. To I mean, me the it's most. just it's like what kind of statement? What are you trying to make? What kind of precedent are you trying to set for your team and accountability? Yeah, you know, he just wasn't ready for that. It, it, it was Stefanski bad. is ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I think he's right. I, I, so I'm excited to see what happens. But with the Jets, man, it, it's just bad. And like I said, my takeaway is it's the worst offense in the NFL, and they need something to get him going. If it was me, at, you know, obviously it looks like I, I don't know if they're going to get there, but if they can get Trevor Lawrence, they can trade up. They need to do something. They have got I, – I, I don't – I'm not trying to be a Sam Darnold hater at this point, but if it's a new quarterback, if that's what it takes, if that's what the, the – the front office believes they go coach, get man. Then go Not get necessarily a new quarterback. A new coach, more offensive linemen. They need to get some threats off the edge to make real, make big plays on defense. They need to. They're gonna. I mean, whether they like it or not, Jamal Adams is gonna have to be replaced somehow. They're gonna exactly. have to try. You know what exactly. I mean? And if it's and not, if it. it's not Trevor Lawrence, then go out and try to get Jamar Chase. 
right? Get something that can get the offense going. That's all I, I really can say about it. I just think it, it, it's just been horrible watching that Jets offense. Bo, my next takeaway is Calvin Ridley is leveling up, man, and he was one of your big fantasy uh, picks, so I know you're yeah. super happy about it. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you some numbers here, Bo. Ridley has 21 touchdowns in his last 31 games, and to put that in perspective, Julio Jones has 21 touchdowns in his last 61. Yeah. I mean, Calvin Ridley's a straight up baller and and his stock is going nowhere but up with Julio aging and them letting go of Austin Hooper. And I'm I mean, I'm not a Hayden Hurst hater. Uh, You know, there's a little alliteration there for you, but I'm not a big uh, Hayden Hurst hater or anything. But he's not Austin Hooper in that offense. The connection isn't just isn't the same. The usage isn't the same. The yardage and production, it's not it's not happening the way it happened for Hooper. Um, and Ridley is going to be, I think he's just going to eat all year. And um, he's never had injuries as a big problem in, you know, in his NFL career, at least. And, and he's just so, a very polished player. He was yeah. already polished coming out of Alabama, right? Like, yeah. what, what did we see was that Ridley excelled at when he came out of Alabama? He I was mean, a fantastic great, route runner. Yeah, good against press. Good Go against press, good hands. He, he was more of a possession receiver at Alabama. I mean, so he does then, play above the neck, too. I mean, he does. He, I wouldn't he say does. that he's the league's best blocker, but I wouldn't say he's an unwilling blocker, and he's not asked to do it a ton. Exactly. But, I mean, he's there, and he's and he's willing to do it. And, and, and he knows how to take the right angles when he – does have to block that's you know part of him being so precise in the you know in his run game and knowing how to operate in space stuff like that so well tracks the ball really well i mean he's a great player i'll tell you this what's interesting about this is i remember before the season got started um on twitter i put out a poll and it was about alabama receivers that had come out recently in, in drafts and I believe the it was three or four guys I, I asked what Alabama receiver has the brightest future in the NFL. Calvin Ridley was one, Amari Cooper was one, Jerry Judy was one, and there was one other guy I'm I'm, I'm drawing up or Henry Ruggs. Yeah. And no one, Bo, no one voted Calvin Ridley. And now here we are a month from that poll, and Calvin Ridley is leading the NFL and receiving touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Which he has the potential to do that for the whole year. Oh, he absolutely could, man. As of right now, as of right now, he has 16 catches, 240 yards, and uh, is leading the league with four touchdowns. It's crazy. I mean, that's through two games. I mean, the the pace he's on, it's a lot of of touchdowns, man. And I wonder, you know, I know Julio's been dealing with a hamstring injury, but it looks like, so during the offseason, Matt Ryan came out and he said that he had only been able to train with one receiver. And that one receiver was Calvin Ridley. And he said that he had never seen a player make the leap from last year to this year like Calvin Ridley had. Oh, yeah. and when, oh, He might and, win me that league. <laughs> I know, man. He might. He's popping for you. And, and Ridley was asked himself, they said, you know, what do you expect from yourself this year? He said, I should be elite. Well, well you know, I'll I, I tell you what, I hate this isn't a fantasy podcast, but uh, I think along this touches on the Ridley topic and like, well, the way the game is today with receivers, I invested in – uh, receivers more than I ever have, you know, like as being your, you know, wide receiver one, two, and then keeping a receiver in your flex over an RB in some leagues, uh, more than I did running backs. And, um, it's paying off, man. I mean, they blow up every game. There's tons of pass attempts. These guys love to throw and they love to throw a lot. You know what I mean? And you just get the right guys with the right target share. It, 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 the possibilities are endless. Yeah, you know, people with fantasy, again, this isn't a fantasy podcast, but I guess we're yeah. making one for just a short little minute here. Um, you know, people were sitting here saying, wow, like all of a sudden there's so many just 
just roster worthy wide receivers in fantasy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like you got to think about it. Like, you know, you, we've all been saying this for a long time. It's becoming more and more pass happy. So, of course, more yeah. and more. Receivers. I mean, Joe Burrow's been in the league two weeks. He threw 60 times the other night, guys. Yep. I mean, that is that says everything. The day they're stepping out there, they're throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing, and it's not going to change. Talk about having the keys to an offense, Burr. They just <laughs> gave they gave him the whole ride, man. They yeah. just take it out, no, take it no out for a spin. No um, now, Bo, I got a fun question for you here. Who is your guy out of these four receivers? Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Loved his game uh, the other night against oh, the Patriots. How could you he not? was just a beast. How how could you not love that? Oh, right. he was you so. Got, you got Ridley, Metcalf, McLaurin, and Michael Gallup. Who is your Who is your guy? Well, right now it's between Metcalf and Ridley. I'm going to throw the other two out the window. Okay, um, just because of how they're playing right now. Yeah, just and I mean, I think both Ridley and Metcalf are in the perfect offense for them. There and I mean, Russell Wilson throws the drop in deep bomb better than anyone in the league. Well, he's I one mean, of the he, most efficient. He is the most efficient deep ball passer right now. Exactly, he dimes it better than anyone in the league. That's tough, man. It is tough, man. It is tough. I knew this was going to. I think it's outright between Metcalf and Ridley, and I would probably take Calvin Ridley due to his ability underneath and over the top. I like that. I like that answer. I was thinking the same thing. It's and again, I am not the guy that says that DK can only one run one route, but I do think Calvin Ridley has more polish on his route running. I think that's obvious. And like you said, he's able to hit the stuff underneath. I do think Ridley by a such a slim margin, man, just over DK. Game in and game out, I think you're gonna want to take the Ridley type player over the DK. But man, is it fun to watch DK Metcalf play football? I'll tell you what, man, DK Metcalf, watching him go up against Stephon Gilmore, I mean, my God, man. I mean, and I'm not, you know, D- Stephon Gilmore is the elite of the was, elite. Was that your game of the week, uh, the Seahawks and the Patriots? Do you I think would say, I would game? say it all, okay. I would say it was just over the, the Falcons-Cowboys game. Yeah. The, the Cowboys I, I think just the caliber of what we watched in the Patriots and the Seahawks. I and think watching the coaching Cam. caliber. Watch Cam and Russell Wilson on primetime. Yeah, I mean, the, well, in the coaching, I mean, Carol v. Belichick. I mean, come on. It, it was know? it was awesome, man. By the way, Pete Carroll. I'm trying to remember the other two. Pete Carroll and two other coaches this week were fined one hundred thousand dollars for not wearing masks on game day. Yeah, I mean, do you think the teams are helping them pay that fine? <laughs> I mean, Probably. I hate it for their checkbooks, man, but I, but I do I do like the NFL is coming down hard on that because I want the NFL to make it through a whole season. I think that's the way they got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the coaches are with these guys every single day, but it is the safe thing to do. And you know one of the funny little quirks that it's killing me every week. Steve Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick's son, is their D coordinator, and Mullet. he was doing. Oh yeah, he was. Well, he was doing it all week. They're wearing the masks and the net gaiters, but they can't break the habit of holding the play sheet over their mouth, even with the masks pulled up. Oh, and I it know. Just That's so funny every man. time. It's a habit, man. It's a habit. That's it's yeah. literally, literally what it is. Oh, Bro, this man. is going to be the favorite takeaway for you that I have. Yeah. Steelers look like they have the best defense in the league. And I've been saying that I have been saying that since before the season got started, the defense the Steelers were going to have this year was going to be fantastic. And it has been the Steelers defense has led the NFL in sacks for the last three years. 
They're on and, pace to do it again. And they're going to do it again. They're going to do it again. They have 10 sacks through yeah. two games. Yeah, two games. Two, two games. They had they had 52 last I mean they had 52 last year I believe. Yeah. They're going to do it again. It's going to be I mean dude TJ the Broncos, I don't know what they were thinking, uh but the TJ Watt, I mean they did not I don't think he was getting much help, you know, like the, the right tackle was getting much help from the tight ends or anything. And TJ Watt was making a fool of the right tackle. Oh. I mean just just absolutely bullying that man. And and my takeaway from the Steelers is TJ Watt's going to win defensive player of the year. I think it's I his it. year. Um, he's healthy. He's one of the unlike his his brother is getting older, so I know he's getting hurt more. But when when T, when JJ was younger in his first eight years or so in the league, he was an Iron Man. He played every game. You know, he won multiple Defensive Player of the Years. He he won. He played every game. TJ Watt has had missed like one game in his Steelers career for a groin injury, and that was like the first week or the second week of his career. Um, and he has just been an absolute Iron Man ever since for us. I think yeah, I think that's definitely possible. I mean, obviously that he, is he's strongly, the type of guy who will be healthy through this weird season. Yeah, he he is. He is that kind of guy. And you know, I'm glad that he is because I love watching him. But I think that's obviously strongly in the realm of possibilities. I mean, I think me and you had the discussion about who was one of the the better sack artists, TJ Watt or Miles Garrett. And you know, I was arguing Miles Garrett, you were arguing TJ Watt, but we couldn't really disagree with each other. You know, I mean, I, I think T.J. Watt's a fantastic player, man. So to see him get a defensive player of the year award was, would not be shocking to me at all. But but on top of that, the, the the Steelers' defense, man, it's just so much talent at every level. You know, it, I think the the corners have not played as well as they did last year. They have not. Stephen Nelson, when I watched Stephen Nelson yeah. with you, he gave up one touchdown the first week of this season but didn't give up one last year from, what, week eight on? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He gave up one all last season. I mean, and honestly, the the tackling by them has been suspect. Uh, they've had a lot of penalties in the back end, and I don't believe that when we face a good team um, that can run outside, you know, and stretch the field a little bit, and it's, and the guys on the corners are going to have to make more tackles. I worry about that. I yeah. worry about them stepping up. I mean, and honestly, Joe Hayden getting caught up in the in the ruckus <laughs> of trying to make tackles on the outside. I worry about him staying on the field for this whole season. Um, I mean, it just the consistency. Steve Nelson had a great year last year, uh, but I worry about how consistent he's going to be throughout this year because when he was in Kansas City the year before Pittsburgh, inconsistency was his main issue. The yeah, four picks, the four picks, is what got him paid. Show me a number, and we'll pay you. You know, I that, mean, that's, dude, that's how it if is. any corner in the league gets four picks in a year playing cornerback on the outside at all times, they're going to get signed by someone the next season. There's Absolutely. no doubt about it. The Steelers hadn't had someone get four interceptions on their team in like eight to ten years, I think. It was like Palomalu in like 2012 yeah. had four picks. Of course we went out and got someone like Steven Nelson. We had had four picks in a while. Let me you say know? this. Let me say this. If I'm a quarterback at this point, and I know, okay, we're game planning for the next game. We're playing the Steelers. I, I'm... I am already antsy. I'm already nervous. I got to deal with I got to deal with Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tewitt on the defensive line. I got to deal with Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt coming Bud off Dupree the edge. Bud Dupree is playing like a man possessed. Oh, he is possessed right now. Devin Bush, one of the one of the great young linebackers in the league right now. And then okay, well I got to throw the ball. Well I hope that Minka doesn't read it. Because he's yeah. going to pick it. I mean, you have to worry about everything. There are not many weaknesses on that defense. And, Bo, I've, I've told you this before. The, the, I've always respected the coaching of the Steelers. They're, just the coaching of the entire team, man, is fantastic, especially on defense. That They work really hard to figure out what 
you know, each player excels at. And then they put that player in a position to play to their strengths. Yeah, and, and that, that's what that's what the, the Steelers. I've always been so enamored with that. They they just they take any player, man, and they 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 really really help them excel. Yeah, it's, just, think, it's just a lot of know, fun to watch. In the complicated defense that, that we play, and really any three four gets really complicated schematically. As you know, as the offense shifts things around, and you know you, you're working with zone and man coverage, it it kind of plays into the Steelers' favor that they can hear out there. Yeah, it does. You know, Pittsburgh it really goes. Does. Pittsburgh goes to other stadiums around the country, and those games are always sold out due to the amount of Steelers fans that come too, and it's always super loud, <laughs> and they and they can't hear. And you know, for years I watched the Steelers, and it was always blown assignments, you know, miscommunication, miscommunication, blown assignment, miscommunication. You know, now they just they just talk all they want. They can hear each other. They can communicate yep. freely, and they're hungry. I mean, they're playing like they have rabid fans behind them at all times. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but. You know, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna say this. Another, you know, I'll go I, to another take here in a second. But I, I think I told you before the season got started that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were my pick to win the division. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm. I still. I'm still with that. I. I still have the Steelers winning the division. Yes, the Ravens look awesome. And the Ravens look great. They man. look great. They look great. And but we, I have the Steelers almost lost to the Broncos. I mean, that was close. Just. Uh, just trust me, man. Defense wins championships. Where it can give you a division crown too, and that's what I'm. I'm. I'm have you watched on. the Ravens' uh, defense? Of course I have. It's been pretty good. It's been, of course it's pretty good. It's the Ravens, another fantastic <laughs> coach team that's extremely loaded. You don't yeah, have to tell me that. It's pretty good. They're secondary, know, yes. even, without, even without Earl Thomas, they're not really missing a beat. No, they're not. They're not. I, yeah. I wonder how Earl Thomas felt, feels yeah. about that. I mean, obviously, so another another, well. another Eric DeCosta just, just you know, he got rid of Earl Thomas. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, dude, whoa. Derek, Derek Wolf's out there right now, and he's playing really well, too. He is, man. We talked about that on a fan episode. Uh, yeah. So I, so I think it that's that's really fun to watch Derek Wolf go out there. And I mean, if, he, if he could just stay healthy, man, that would be that's, that's They're so a lot big. like Pittsburgh, man. I mean, the, just the, the things, the, the plays they draw up on defense – and getting in the two man sets, or the two man like two men down, and then two standing outside linebackers in that three four defense. I mean, they just with Calais and Wolf. I mean, you and like that rotation they have, it is it's nasty, man. That pass rush is coming at you at all times. They're like us; they're not afraid to blitz the DB. You got plenty of I mean, blitz from the DB, and they got plenty of them that can do it. Yeah, it's ugh, it's scary. I don't. <laughs> Who's I don't the best think... blitzing DB in the NFL? Oh, Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton. I knew you were going to say it, man. He, I heard you, you got so happy the other day when we were watching the game together, man. I knew I had to bring that he up. Had, he had eight tackles. He had a fumble recovery and a sack on Sunday. Yeah, he he's, great, he's great. fantastic, man. And, and, and I think he had two pass defenses. Yeah. I mean, he was he was all over the field. Uh, he's He is an underpaid person, but I'm telling you, you know why he's underpaid? Because he's five foot nine. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. He's my height. That's the problem. He's too short. He doesn't play the outside. It's unfortunate, and it could be his last year in Pittsburgh. If he keeps playing like this, someone else will pay him. I have all the skill, Bo. It's just because my height that I wouldn't get paid in the league, man. Mike, um, Mike he's an undrafted free agent, too. I mean, he's just nasty. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Uh, Bo, my next takeaway, man, and, and you know, me and you were kind of cutting up a little bit talking about this one earlier, is it looks like I was wrong about the Vikings winning their division. Because clearly, clearly, they have not gotten off to a strong start. And what did we say, Bo? What did we say when we were talking about free agency and all the moves that were happening? What did we see the Vikings doing? Getting rid of all of their veteran Unloading, yeah, unloading. Unloading the secondary. Obviously, they got Anthony Harrison. Harrison Smith, Smith, yeah. And the safeties are there. But 
I, we both say you that you need we, help on the outside. Yeah, we both said that them getting rid of their top three corners was going to come back and bite them, and it has. That's been the issue. You said it yourself. Absolutely. But the problem has been they cannot cover. They can't defend the pass right now. Nope. They cannot do it. So yeah, and it's they can't uh, get off gonna, the field on any third down. No, they cannot. They, they cannot. Jeff Gladney, I mean, Jeff Gladney is, is the a same fantastic. as third two for them. Yeah, Jeff Gladney is a fantastic prospect. I loved him coming out of TCU, but you cannot just early. throw him to the wolves with no early. veteran out there to help him. Exactly, it's too you early. Can't, can't do it. And Especially by the way, in a, in a year where he hasn't had time to learn anything, I mean, this is this is arguably weeks one through three is the preseason for these guys. I mean, they are some of these dudes are just getting their feet under them. Oh, they absolutely are. And like you said, but if you were going to pick a worse time to completely just do an overhaul on your, your secondary, don't do it. You know, don't do it when there is going to be no preseason and training camp's not normal. Yeah. I mean, cornerback is the hardest position to play in the NFL. I will stand by that till I'm blue in the face. Cornerback is the most difficult position to play in the NFL, and you cannot expect a rookie to come from the college ranks up to the professional league and, and in one God. week to two weeks, get it. Yeah, it's it's just not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. And it also doesn't help that Kirk Cousins had like a 15 quarterback rating last <laughs> Sunday. You know, they got through what 168 yeah. yards, three interceptions, no touchdowns. Damn, I mean, my God, it's just been bad, man. And clearly, about, you want to talk about underwhelming? Justin no, Jefferson no, no, hasn't taken the. They have not taken the step either. Justin Jefferson is struggling a little bit. Well, it's so no you, wonder Dalvin Cook wants his money. They're gonna have to run him to death if they're gonna want to win games. They're gonna have to. And then I don't know, man. It, it's just been really bad for the Vikings. They're missing digs. They're missing digs. I don't care what they say. They're missing digs. Oh, they're absolutely missing they digs, are. man. They, I mean, he was a he was their big play factor. I mean, Thielen's good, but Thielen did not get you 50, 50 60 yard touchdowns. He just it just rarely happened. He's your he he Thielen beats you slowly over the game underneath. You know, you know, fifteen yards here, twenty yards here, twelve yards here, nine yards here, first down here, first down here. Diggs was your big play guy. He backed the defense up so Dalvin Cook could run. They're missing it. They're, they're really missing. And, you know, I had a lot of hope. You know, I knew about the weaknesses coming into the season, but I still had them to win in the they're, division just because of my they're, they're tied into problem too. Oh, it is. It is a problem. I mean, our, okay, Irv Smith is a is a good good tight end, but he hasn't hasn't shown shown that little glimmer yet. He's he's like we said with the Jets. He's good for a few catches a game, a little bit of yardage, maybe a touchdown here and there. But he's not your game in and game out performer. You know, yep. of you know, eighty to hundred yards. Like this guy, we're paying for production, not to block. You know, yeah, he's absolutely. not that guy yet, but he'll he could be. But it's I not think- there yet. What had me confident still in the Vikings, even though knowing their weaknesses, was Mike Zimmer. Because I have such a respect for Mike Zimmer as a coach. I think he's just fantastic, man. You know, the Bengals screwed up. Me and you have talked about that before. Yeah. But I think Mike Zimmer just is just a guy that I think is so solid. You know, I was like, you know, Zimmer will figure it out. But God, do they have stuff they've got to – they have got to figure out. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it's, that, it's hard that, to watch them. I won't right. lie that letting him letting – Zimmer letting Zimmer go could be one of the worst decisions of a franchise that I can think of in a long time. But 
But like, I mean, the I think like one of my takeaways is, you know, not to change the subject, and it, it pertains to, you know, Joe Burrow and and Zach Taylor. You know, I think they have a good connection, and he did trust him to throw sixty times. And Burrow is definitely the Bengals' future, but it is also due to a coach that I think knows how to put Burrow to work. You know, I don't I don't know if Mike Zimmer would be the guy that necessarily schemes up what Burrow's good at. You know, Mike Zimmer has always ran a run first type offense with a big tight end kind of power, kind of power things going on. He puts guys under center, which Joe is why Burrow, Kyle Rudolph was so good there. Exactly. And Joe Burrow wants to stand back there and sling that thing. He does. You know, he, he, he does. wants to, he wants to target AJ green 12, 13 times a game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and did you think, did you think Burrow was forcing it to AJ green at all? I think he was. I think he definitely was forcing it to him. And I think he was trying to be, he wasn't being conservative, but he was trying to do his best. And it, it kind of, I think, messed up their connection a little bit. He was doing whatever he could do to make sure it was only where AJ could get it. Because a lot of the times, AJ's a long, that's a lengthy guy, man. That is a, he is a yeah. long athlete. I mean, and he was and, putting it there with him, but I mean, he was rocketing them in there to it too. Yeah, yeah he, he was throwing, I don't think he was throwing with a lot of touch. Now, I think he had a completion for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. The uh, defender held AJ's hand though. They didn't get a PI on it, but you could clearly see he held his hand. That was going to be a touchdown. But I think it is bad that it was, you know, AJ was targeted 13 times, only had three receptions. Now, albeit all of those incompletions weren't Burrow's fault, AJ mm-hmm. dropped a couple of them, right? But I do think um, you cannot target AJ Green double to triple as many times as Tyler Boyd. That That's unacceptable. I think Tyler Boyd, um, what he's done for us in the past couple of years is he deserves more targets and you have to get him more involved, even though AJ mm-hmm. green is a fantastic player and is a very high caliber. Well, player. The more involved you get Tyler Boyd, the more open AJ can become. Exactly. Because exactly. they're going to pay attention to Tyler more. Cause what do you think defense is going to think next week? When and they yeah, play if you target AJ green 14 times, they're going to be all over him. Exactly. So they're going to be all over AJ now. So he's got to figure it out. But hey, it's rookie mistakes, man. The the guy has done unbelievably well with what his offensive line. He's still making things out of nothing. He's still scrambling out of pocket, getting away from sacks. It's like I'm watching him at LSU sometimes. I mean, I'm I'm very impressed. Do Do you think that maybe they're targeting AJ a lot in hopes that, you know, Tyler Boyd is better out of the slot? I mean, that is his thing, I think. And I mean, Maybe they're targeting a guy on the outside more to open him up underneath. I think Tyler Boyd, I think it's interesting that Joe Burrow is not targeting Tyler Boyd so much because who was his favorite target at LSU? Justin Jefferson. Well, Justin Jefferson Mm -hmm. played in the slot. I just Mm would have thought coming in, Burrow would have been a lot more comfortable throwing to the slot. And I'm not saying it was by a wide margin at LSU. I mean, hell, Jamar Chase had 20 touchdowns. So, you know, obviously it wasn't that big of a gap in target share, but I do think it's interesting that Justin Jefferson was his number one receiver at LSU and Tyler Boyd is a fantastic slot receiver, but just is not getting the targets. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is weird. It is weird, but it is early. And I mean, I think Joe Burrow might feel a sense of responsibility in getting AJ Green the ball. I mean, can you see that? I mean, he's the leader. He's the veteran. He's the face. And you're this you're this baby faced kid with a golden arm coming in, and you know you want to feed the beast, don't you? You do, you do. And I think you know Joe Burrow's not a fool. You know Joe Burrow comes in. Who's the guy on that offense? Well, you know a lot of people are going to say Joe Mixon. Yeah, but who has you been know? the guy on that offense? It's AJ, AJ Green. 
AJ Green is the guy on that offense. And of course, you want to gain AJ's respect, right? That's Absolutely. something you want to do. As a rookie, you want to gain AJ's respect and praise, which AJ has not held back any praise from Joe Burrow. But I, I will say that I do think that it's a reason Burrow's doing that. I'll, I'll put mm-hmm. it to you that way. Also, just also AJ Green's the most talented receiver on the team. But again, Tyler Boyd has has done fantastic things the last two years. Um, and I, I do think he needs to see more targets. But I'm just going to stick on this tar- uh, topic since we got started on it because one of my other takeaways was the Chargers and the Bengals looked to have future studs at quarterback. Um, man, and again, man, I, I'm, I'm just going to go into the Burrow and just say the numbers right now. Bo- Bo- Burrow in two games has been 60 for 97, which is a 62% completion percentage for 510 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, one fumble. Um, like, like I said, man, the poise, the patience that he had at LSU has, has translated – and I, like I told you before, I think the Bengals are giving him the keys to the to the offense. But let me let me tell you this, Bo. We talked about how many pass attempts he had in week two, which was sixty one. Well, I mean, Do you yeah, know? When was the last time you saw a rookie get that? Uh, I think it was. It was a 60. guy. Uh, it, it's. I'm trying to remember. I saw it the other day, man. It, it's been a while. It's been time. fifteen years. It's been fifteen years or more. But I, I mean, want to tell you this. I want to tell you this real quick. Listen to this this um, number I have for you. Joe Burrow in week two had more pass attempts, which was 61, than Jimmy Garoppolo attempted in San Francisco's entire 2019 playoff run. Really? Jimmy Garoppolo attempted 58 passes. That hurts my brain. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's unreal, man. And also, this is the first time in Joe Burrow's career that he's lost back-to-back games in his entire football career. He's never lost back-to-back football yeah. games. Yeah. Well, so well, I mean, he better get used to that, though. I mean, you are in Cincinnati, so you, you need to get real used to that. That's not something that can bother you. I'm glad mm-hmm. it does bother him. It should bother you if you're a professional. But again, you you better get used to that because you're playing for the Bengals now. Oh, uh, he's gonna lose a lot of games in NFL career. I mean, that's that's the NFL, but that's what's gonna make him. I mean, dealing with loss, dealing with dealing with adversity. I mean, that's that's part of being an NFL quarterback. I mean, name even Tom Brady. I mean, some of his Super Bowl losses are the craziest losses we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. You yeah. know, adversity is going to hit. It's going it to happen. I mean, Big Ben turned a motorcycle over, you know. I mean, that's that stuff's going to happen to you. Big Ben lost the Super Bowl also, you know, and the Steelers got – I mean, they made a, a rap song. Lil Wayne made a rap song, Dog and the Steelers. You know what I mean? They green and yellow when that happens. I mean, things – Things are going to get thrown around at you, and and people are going to look look down on you. But the the what makes you a Hall of Famer in the long run is your ability to block everything else out. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, obviously, the Chargers, like I just said, have another awesome quarterback prospect. Herbert got the first start of his career Sunday, Bo, and apparently he didn't even know he was going to start. Apparently, he found out he was going to start after the coin toss. Well, did that, you hear what happened to he- Tyrod? Yeah, so it was from a rib injection, which is yep. really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I did not expect it. I, now, I'm going to be honest with you. When they said a, a, a weird chest injury, I didn't know what they were talking about. I didn't know if they meant like cardiac well, they said problems. Chest pain. I, I yeah, I thought his heart was messed up, but that might have been, that, it might have affected his heart rate. It may have, man. So I know he had to go to the hospital for it and everything. And I, I'm glad that he is okay and it wasn't something that serious. Side but, note, side note, imagine how much it hurts to have a needle put in your ribs. Mm. Oh. oh, my God. So bad. I don't imagine, I've had done and put a needle put in my knee for several reasons, and it's not good. I can't imagine your rib cage. But, bro, I will tell you this. Watching Justin Herbert and did the awesome decisions that he was making, he showed confidence, made some fantastic plays with his legs and his arm. 
I mean, dude, I watched this guy. I mean, the, the guy also knocked out a linebacker. They both ran into each other, took major hits to each other, and then knocked out the linebacker. I mean, that that's, doesn't normally happen. Normally, it's a quarterback getting knocked out, you know, or injured or something like that. But again, uh, Herbert's a good, a big guy. I mean, Herbert is six foot six, like two twenty five. That, that's oh, yeah. a big, big that's boy. a very big cannon athlete. arm. Yeah, huge guy. His final stat line of the day was 22 of 33 for 331 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He also had four rushes for 28 yards and one touchdown. Um, I was just amazed at how, how well he played. And, and Chargers fans, man, they, they should be. How they many attempts be, did he have that, that yardage in? What do you mean? Like How many attempts How overall? many attempts, yeah, did, did Herbert have to get to 331 yards? What was his? 33. Well, 33 attempts. Joe Burrow had 316 yards and 61 attempts. Yeah, that's how that's how accurate and how the missiles he was firing. It, it was it was awesome, man. I watched him throw the first ball. He almost completed a pass. His poise and in the way he was just able to stay calm. And I don't know if you watched the game. He his one of his shoes exploded off of his right foot, yeah, and he still crazy. almost dimed a guy on the sideline. I mean, it, it was it was fantastic with a guy in his face. But he, uh, I, he, I mean, it was like when you put him in the in the game. I mean, I watched the hard knocks, and I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't watching the hard knocks and seeing people going, "Oh, this is the future. Oh, this is the future." You know, like, "Oh God, he looks amazing." And then, like, you put him in, you put him out there on the field. You cannot take your eyes off that dude. Like, I was, I was sitting watching the game, uh, you know, in in the bar, looking at it, and I, I'm telling you, there was three other games around me. The Ravens was like two TVs away. And all I could watch was Justin Herbert dicing the Chiefs up. And that's all I could watch. You know, we knew that's what he was coming out of Oregon, right? Yeah. What was what was the biggest weakness for Joe Burrow? It had nothing to do with athleticism, his arm, nothing with any of that. It he had, was facing a mindset. great he was facing a great secondary in Chargers camp though. I mean Derwin James and Casey Hayward also, and that's like true, that that's defense. True. He was having to go when he was facing the ones on defense, he was dealing with some serious, serious talent. But his biggest weakness coming out of Oregon was the mindset. They said he didn't show leadership skills, that he was kind of timid. He he didn't take command of the pocket or, or command <laughs> of the room. I mean whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. Clearly, clearly Chargers, Chargers players are behind him and they want him to be their quarterback. And I'm going to say this. I have all the love in the world for Tyrod Taylor, but for no reason should Tyrod start another week unless Herbert gets hurt. I agree. I don't think Tyrod should start again, even though apparently Anthony Lynn's trying to come out and say that well, Tyrod's going to come quarterback. back. Yeah. Come on, man. That, that, stop that. Just stop. Tyrod. Tyrod had a great. I run think I. Him. I mean, from what it sounds like, it looks like it looks like Tyrod's got his job when he comes back. But maybe he wants to keep the flame lit under Herbert. Maybe he doesn't want Herbert to take his foot off the gas. Maybe, you know maybe, what I mean? Maybe that is what it is. Man. Play for that know. spot. I mean, I, some coaches. Some coaches know how to motivate guys. You know, I don't think jumping down Herbert's throw would help motivate him. Maybe just silent little things like that is what gets him going. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I, I just for the for Bengals fans, you know myself, and then for Chargers fans, and I know some of them as well. It, it's awesome to see these rookie quarterbacks come in and do well, man. I, I'm extremely happy about our teams in Burrow, but Chargers fans, I mean, man, that was against the reigning Super Bowl champs. So I, it was extremely. I was same way with you, you know, the way you were, Bo. I couldn't take my eyes off of Herbert. He was just making play after play. He would put his head down and you know take on contact. It was awesome. Herbert's definitely gained a lot of respect in that locker room. Um, but I'm a I'm a gloat for a minute. <laughs> I'm a gloat later too, but I'm a gloat right now as well. Um, I'm believing the hype with the Cardinals, and I think it's a lot of it's Kyler Murray. 
Bo, and me and you had a discussion. You know, we're going to get to this later, but just just know I got something loaded up for you. But with the Cardinals, Bo, Kyler Murray has taken the second-year leap, and it looks fantastic. Um, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins. People were worried about him in that offense for some reason. I don't know why you're worried about DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's going to excel wherever he goes. Um, clearly, he seems to be fitting right in with the team, and he's picked up right where he left off last year in Houston. He looks like the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think that's exactly what he still looks like. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he had 15 receptions week one. I mean, they are yeah. feeding that man, and he he is doing just fine with it. Um, they have a good running back tandem in Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. I'm a huge fan of Chase Edmonds. Um, key pieces on defense, they got it. Chandler Jones, Isaiah Simmons, let's say Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, Hassan Reddick. They've just got fantastic versatility all over the defense. I might be picking the Cardinals as a wild card team right now. Really? Yeah, I think I am. I, I mean, I could see I it. I could definitely see it. I the think, way they're playing, I mean, I think it just – honestly, one of my takeaways from what from the season, and I think this is really going to apply to the Cardinals, um, is that, I mean, the healthiest team could run away with this season. And if the Cardinals come week 15 or healthy across the board, sure, they can make a run. They, they absolutely could. I think what, what, we, what we're starting to see is we've always known that it adds another dynamic to an offense when you have an immobile quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that started – people kind of started really realizing, like, okay, this is a problem when Michael Vick happened, you know, when we saw yeah. what Michael Vick was able to do. And, you know, we didn't see anyone like that for a while until Cam Newton. But Cam Newton wasn't like Michael Vick. Cam Newton was a bruiser. That guy was a bulldozer. But it was he could still outrun linebackers, but he played a different game. Michael Vick was, I'm not getting hit. You know, I'm too elusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't see anyone like that until Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, we see what, what he's been able to do. I mean, it's it's just been, been unreal. The, the, the second-year leap he took, you know, won the MVP. Clearly, it's just extremely hard for the defenses to, you know, guard or defend him pretty much. But I'm also seeing the same thing with Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray, it looks like to me, Bo, it looks like Kyler Murray has figured out now. It took him a year, but he's figured out, okay, like, I'm almost unguardable, just like Lamar <laughs> Jackson. Lamar Jackson figured it out. Lamar Jackson pretty much – he didn't run much in week week one of last year. He was throwing the ball. Kyler, I mean, lot. Kyler's longevity, I don't think people worry about it nearly as much as they worry about Lamar's. Okay, I agree with that. Well, but I'm going to say – I'm going to tell you this is just obvious. Kyler Murray's a better passer. Tyler, I mean, Ky- Kyler, Kyler Murray, Murray as a Tyler. passer is fantastic. His touch and his arm strength – he also it, it knows kind when of to throw you. it away and not try to run for four yards. But he also doesn't have the size Lamar Jackson has, so he can't be taking those hits. You no, know what I mean? Yeah. You get hurt. But I think Kyler Murray has figured out, okay, I've got these legs, and I can you know, burn your defense if I have to, and yeah. I'm going to now. That, that He's pretty much just, okay, like I'm going to do what I want to do. Kyler Murray, in the two games I've watched, was playing backyard football, though. And that's when I believe talented quarterbacks are their most dangerous. It's it's not when they're going by the game plan. It's when they figure out they they are better at stuff than you know other guys on the field are, or they're faster, or they, they're just feeling it. And when a quarterback is feeling like Russell Wilson is clearly feeling it right now. Yeah. Okay. He's the top quarterback right now. I believe in the not in the league, but right now I think he's my number I mean, one. I think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. He know. is. He absolutely is. But that's because he excels. Mahomes is definitely having. I mean, Mahomes. Uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, is definitely playing at that MVP level. But I mean, I think if you draft the league day, you know who. Number, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes. You know who, you know who no numero question. uno is, man. I mean, it's Pat no Mahomes. Question. No question. But I think quarterbacks are their most dangerous when they are having fun when they're just almost winging it. 
I mean, and I think that's what Kyler Murray's doing. If you watch the game, he's just running around holding the ball with one hand, which is an awful idea. I do not you know, <laughs> say that's a good idea. But he's just running around and just slinging passes, running by guys, and just having fun. And that's when guys are the most – I think that's when they're at their best. If you're, if you're feeling it and you're having fun with your teammates, that's when you perform the best. That's what has me – that's what has me having the Cardinals as a wild card team right now. I, I think Kyler Murray's feeling it right now. He's got a – fantastic weapon now in DeAndre Hopkins. He's got two solid running backs. The defense has pieces. So so go ahead and chalk it up, man. I see the Cardinals in the playoffs this year. That's that's for me. I don't know if you do, okay. but that's no, what I, I, I can see it happening. I can definitely see it happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just I just think they're feeling it. And another guy who's feeling it, Bo, another takeaway I have is Minshew has the Jaguars looking real competitive. And I mean, I mean that's I'm, yeah, I mean he does. He I mean he is playing like we need to be respecting him as the franchise guy. Like what? What's interesting about this to me? And I, I, you know, I, I just thought about. It. There's no telling how many times I said interesting during this podcast. But <laughs> the, the Jaguars don't look like they're in tank mode. I mean, Minshew is making his best statement right now to show the Jaguars that they do not need Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's what he's doing. If Minshew could just keep his turnovers down, I mean, they could win some good some games. I mean, they shouldn't be. I'll be honest with you. They shouldn't be one and one right now. No, they if should. he. If he if the if he didn't throw those two picks, they could be two and zero though. Absolutely, they could. You know, the Jags beat the Colts week one, and it, and it came real close to beating the Titans Sunday, who just went on a on a run in the playoffs. Everybody, this was just last year. The the yeah. Titans were making a deep run in the playoffs and and beat the Patriots and you know whatnot and the um and the um Ravens. All right, and then uh, but they just lost to the um Titans, thirty three to thirty. I mean, clearly Minshew was able to put up points. The defense, you know, could have helped them not score as many points. The opposition, <laughs> it didn't work out that way. But it looks like Minshew is showing the poise, the leadership, decision-making ability that teams look for in starting quarterbacks, man. So my question is, Bo, I don't think if Minshew continues to play like this, they will even be in a spot to get Trevor Lawrence. But let's say they do. Let's just say by some hypothetical Minshew plays just like this the rest of the year, Bo, but they still end up with the number one draft pick, which is completely unlikely, but I'm just doing it for fun. Yeah, I don't think they'll win too many games if he plays like this. Um, he'll win, I think he'll win four or five games at least if they play like this. Okay, that's, okay, that's, so that's I like, agree, I agree. That's I, I, like I, the eighth I, pick. I didn't get what you were saying right there. Okay, now say, but say they get the number one overall pick, but he still plays like he is right now. Mm-hmm. Do they take Trevor Lawrence or do they stay with Minshew? I mean, that's, oh, that, that, that's, a, that's, that's a hard question. Especially when they could end up with like you know an elite defensive player or you know an elite offensive lineman that they're that they're going to need soon or you mean Jamar Chase would be great to add to that offense. I mean, it's it's hard to say. I mean Gardner Minshew is playing well, and I mean I think the Jags could be a if they somehow end up with that number one spot, they'd be a huge like a you know a a, a swap to trade back team for more picks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Minshew's numbers right now. Like that, if you could, I don't see how they lose that many games, but that's a big time trade back. You know, give someone else number one, and you get you two first round picks, get you a linebacker and a really good guard or something. All right, let me say this: Minshew's numbers through two weeks are, you know, wide receiver and a guard. His numbers through two weeks are forty nine of sixty five for five hundred yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. My man only has sixteen incompletions in two weeks. That's wild. You would never, you, you and you that would never, wild, isn't it? With his cast of help of guys out there, you would, you would expect more. And like obviously, from a from a prospect standpoint, you know Lawrence is a better quarterback, you know. But but if Minshew keeps this type of play up, 
I, like you said, I, they can't. They're not going to get the well, number one overall pick. Gardner Minshew's. He's like his mentality. I swear, is just like he's just as just crazy enough to not care who's out there with him. I mean, you I see know. him. I love he, that though. Yeah, and it, he just thinks that it, it, he acts like he's got To on the outside and Chris Conley. You know, he just yeah. he he puts that ball up there to him anywhere and any time. You know what I, I mean? And trust him to catch it. I'll be honest with you, man. I really like the Jags receiving core. I'm not saying they're like high powered or anything, but I've always liked the guys they had. Like I was a huge fan of D.D. Westbrook when he was at Oklahoma. Um, DJ Chalks. Would you rather have that than the Texans receiving core with like yes, that stop, just stop. We don't. You don't have to keep saying just it. Yes. The Jaguars. Yeah, I will take the da- Jaguars. I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking Chris Conley, D.D. Westbrook, and DJ Chark over Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, and um, and Kiki Cutie. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so too. I am 100%. Um, but, guys, we're going to jump into the biggest injury news from the first two weeks. I'm actually going to be really sad to talk about this because it's been really bad. Um, but, again, before we get into this, I want to just say this one more time. Without a normal training camp and without a preseason, players are not in peak shape, which you know I have to believe is a major cause for a lot of these injuries. Me and Bo have said many a times on this podcast that that was a concern of ours, and I think it's come to fruition at this point. Um, you know, it's it, but the best way I could say it is it's, it's like a pick, a pitcher in the MLB, like mm-hmm. not warming up and heading straight out to the mound to pitch nine innings. Well, it just doesn't why, work. That's why it pitchers show up. Pitchers and catchers show up first to, to spring training. They have to start building up that arm, getting it ready for the season. Yeah, and, and what it does is, you know, it puts you at serious risk for injury, which is what I believe we are currently watching happen to these athletes. It's exactly what's happening. Absolutely. And, and it, it's upsetting because we were already worried about it. Like I've said, we were already it's worried not, about that in a possibility. It's, it's not like actual calluses, but they're the body when you when they do the pre the you know the regimen leading up to the season, all of it, the weightlifting, the OTAs, the mini camps, the you know the, the training camp, all of it helps their body. Like you said, get used to it. It's it's like it's like a a metaphor. I'm using calluses as a metaphor. Their body builds up a tolerance yep. to the that, pain, to the impact. So I hope I'm hoping that as the year goes on, we see less injuries. I mean, that's just in general, but we see hopefully less guys, injuries. Yeah, the because guys who didn't work this. as hard. Hopefully, they're the ones getting hurt. Yeah, exactly. Which you know, I don't want to see. I don't want to see anyone get hurt, especially. And there's been a lot of yeah. big name guys, man. But but let's let's jump into these injuries. So first thing I'm gonna do is, you know, I have a list of names, but I'm just gonna start with a team, and that that's the 49ers, who have major losses at every part of the team. Uh, Nick Bosa tore his ACL on Sunday and will miss the rest of the year. Solomon Thomas has torn his ACL as well and will miss the rest of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo has a high ankle sprain and will miss some time. Raheem Mostert has an MCL sprain, which will put him out at least several weeks. And Tevin Coleman, I'm pretty sure he's dealing with a knee injury. I didn't see the full report. I think it's a knee injury, though. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, Bo, because I said it to you earlier, and it was something that was kind of uh, kind of crazy to me, is apparently 49ers players are afraid of playing on MetLife Stadium's turf again because they believe that— Do they have to that, go back this year? I don't know. I should have looked at that, but they believe that that turf is what caused so many of them to get injuries. Some players said that the turf was sticky and it was easy to get your foot stuck in. And Hmm. I don't know if MetLife is going to try to address this. I don't know if they're going to see if that was a problem because I think they should. If, if I think it was, that was not a normal amount of players to have knee and ankle injuries. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is why the Niners, are playing a back-to-back away in MetLife. 
in two back-to-back oh, weeks. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That's yeah, well, right as of right now, they're worried about going back, and I don't yeah. know. Kyle, Kyle well, Shanahan came out himself and said that his players weren't feeling like it was. It was like, a bad they're, situation. They're staying in New York, right? Yeah, mm, they are. It, it's a it's a bad situation. There's no so, other option though. Were they going to force them to go back out west? No, I don't. I don't guess they would. But you know, if you players can't. are scared to play, man, they're scared for their health. I mean, you can't make them play either. I mean, I don't know what. What do you think could have happened to the turf? I don't in know. In two and, days' and you, time. You asked me that, and I do not know. I don't mm-hmm. know what they do to that turf, though. You know, day in I mean, and day out. No one, know. no one had a knee injury, a major knee injury, a sprain or tear, leaving the Steelers Monday night game, and six days later, half their team's out. Yeah, it, it's know. weird. It's weird. I just think it's, I just think it's hard to believe that that many guys have similar injuries. It, it's yeah. weird. I, I don't know. I, man. I don't agree that it's odd, but. But can I, I say know. can I say something can I say something right now, mm-hmm. um, that I I've, so I've been thinking this. So did you notice that the 49ers were the only team to have an injury um, on that field that day? Uh, no, I did not notice that. No. Could that be something that 49ers the the team in general was was I don't know were their players not in good of shape coming into be. the season? I mean that I mean, I mean it, it just feels weird. Luck. How does no other player on the other team have a serious major injury like that? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in the, it's not like – I'm pretty sure the Giants and the Jets have, like, practice areas, like, in town just outside of MetLife, like, because they didn't share the stadium for training camp because it's a shared stadium. It's like the Rams and the Chargers. They have practice facilities on different sides of town. They, they stayed in the whole time. So, like, they didn't have that much more exposure to the field, you know. I think the Jets played an away game their first week. They did. They did. You they know, went so to it's Buffalo. Like, it's the first time that you know the Jets had stepped on that field too. It, it's just weird. Even I, 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 I find it hard to believe that it only happened to one team, and it just makes me wonder: was it something in the offseason that was different? Were these guys not as well prepared coming in? That that's it's just a question to, I have. I'm not. I'm not trying to point any fingers that the 49ers didn't take care of their athletes in the offseason or anything. But I, well, they weren't allowed me, to have training programs at all until camp started. So it was all yeah. it was 100 percent on the players. Until yeah, camp started, and and you know as well as me, dude, they can't get these guys in game shape in three weeks. Like I they're mean, what, still they're still getting their their conditioning right. At, what to are this the chances? Point. What are the chances? Hear me out. What are the chances that the 49ers players were suffering from a little Super Bowl hangover and weren't as motivated to get their bodies? I think in it's shape? a, I think it's a super high chance, and we've we've discussed that before too. Is that you know these teams that went late in the playoffs? I mean, I think Tennessee included could get winded later down the line. The AFC, the uh, the conference championship teams also played a really long year. Yeah, you know, there's no telling. I, I believe a hundred percent the Super Bowl played a played I think know, it a, a role in, and I, I think, think eventually it could they could play a role in the Chiefs season. It could. It absolutely could. We'll, we'll see if that happens. Um, Bo, moving on to other players, Saquon Barkley, this this has got to be the biggest one, T- tore his ACL on Sunday and will miss the rest of the season. This is a huge loss for the Giants' uh, offense and, and for Daniel Jones. It's their entire offense. <laughs> and, and Daniel Jones, I, I need to say this real quick now that I've said his name. Daniel Jones looked looked. I think really good against the Steelers defense. I think that was a very hard defense to play against, and he doesn't have fantastic. I, I receivers. think I also think the Steelers were kind of giving them over the top and focused. They were you could tell on that. Saquon. You could tell that you could tell that because Saquon did nothing, and I mean, when I say nothing, he did nothing. It was all eyes on the on the line of scrimmage. Absolutely, the whole time. absolutely. But I, I do feel bad for Daniel Jones because 
to be honest they're with you, high. Saquon Barkley is the best receiver on that team, and he's the running back. And I mean, they're high on Gallman. They are. They are. I mean, they are. And they ha- they but, still have. Uh, they have. Um, oh come on, man! Help me out here. I'm blanking. Patriots. Patriots running back, man. Help me out. Help me out. Who's who's over there? Um, God, this Deion is gonna. Lewis. Deion Lewis, Deion Lewis, who got 10 carries, got 10 carries after uh, Saquon went down. And uh, it looks like he may be the lead back, but you got to get a bigger be. guy in there. You got to get a bigger guy in there to run between the tackles. But we'll, we'll see how much, you know, what they do. I heard they also worked out Devontae Freeman today, which today is <laughs> Monday. But um, I heard they worked out Devontae Freeman and he could be coming to town. Apparently, they work out re- really well. So they we'll see it. how that went. They, they, they're going to have to get Daniel Jones that help. Um, Bruce Irvin, linebacker for the Seahawks, suffered a torn CL, ACL last night, um, Monday night football. Big loss. And, for oh, Sunday night football, excuse me. And uh, against the Big Patriots, loss. that's a massive loss. That is a massive loss. Jeez. He ended up tweeting after he said, I guess I'm human after all. So, Dude, I mean, that's just, I mean, for their, for their Super Bowl chances, I mean, you, you, need, you need that stop points I mean, going on you the do. board. You do, Matt. So we'll, really? it'll be interesting to see if they, they reach out and try to get somebody in free agency. I think they definitely should look into it, uh, especially as well as that that team looks right now. Yeah. Um, now, I do want to ask this question. Um, and th- this is this is about – I'm going back to something because I just thought about it. This is with the Saquon Barkley, all right? I do want to ask this question. Um, is Saquon injury prone? Because let, let me let me just say why he struggled. He has struggled to stay healthy since the end, end of the league. He dealt with a high ankle sprain last year, and that that caused him to miss some time. And he was never really the same after he he had that injury last year. But even when he was at Penn State, he had little little uh, injuries here and there. And you know, I know he was he did great his rookie season, but you know, with the knee as and as hard as they ride him, Bo, as hard as they ride, well, he, him, I, he's been everywhere he's been, he's been ridden, you know, like a horse. So. They, yeah, they, have, mean, they have handed him the load everywhere. 100%. I don't want to call him don't injury prone yet. I don't want to call him injury prone yet. Well, he's now, prone I, to a heavy workload. Exactly, which which can make you injury prone. That yeah. that that alone makes you injury prone. But it's just something I wanted to say. Um, I said Saquon was the biggest one, but I'm gonna say this: Saquon's the biggest one because of the length of time he will not be playing again this year. Christian McCaffrey guys will miss about a month with an ankle injury that you could tell he was trying That's to play through. On Sunday, uh, the Panthers have struggled on defense this season, but now it looks like they're going to struggle on offense because their number one playmaker is now. Do you out. think? All right. So, do you think for the Panthers they had to jump backwards? But to touch on CMC, so CMC was optimistic when he first got into when he first came out of the game and all that post game. He was optimistic, saying it wouldn't be that long, and now they're talking four to six weeks. Do you think they are just they're really trying to take it easy? With McCaffrey, and then not really worrying about their wins and losses. You know, we were talking about how they are potential number one draft pick. You know, f- you know, for the next coming season. Do you think they're just telling McCaffrey, "Look, man, take it easy. This isn't the season." <laughs> I think, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I, with I that defense, can, the way it, it can is, be them looking I don't see out how for they their, could think they're a contender. It's them looking out for their biggest star, and also they they're, they're figuring out. They're like, okay, you know, they have a lot we, of money invested him in the future. Yeah, but we also you know, they're sitting here saying, okay, well, you know, we got Teddy on a contract right now, but there are some really good quarterbacks in this draft, um, and I'm I'm sure they're looking at that man. And you know, they can if they want to say the injury is that serious and they want him to be fully healthy when he comes back. I mean, I understand it. I think it's a little bit of both. To answer your question, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Panthers know what they're doing. I don't yeah. think the injury is bad enough to keep him out six weeks, I mean, four McCaffrey to six weeks. probably knows his body pretty well. He takes care of it. Yeah, he absolutely does. 
Um, but but to answer your question, Bo, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, moving on, Bo, Michael Thomas, you know, the guy who broke tons of records last year at wide receiver, he is going to be out, it looks like, three more weeks from a high ankle sprain that he suffered. So, obviously, we were watching, you know, the Saints play tonight. I think they were missing night. him tonight. They were definitely missing him. Emmanuel Sanders is great. Traquan Smith is getting a lot of looks. He's actually having a big game as well, but I, I don't think you, you can't feel that. Game's void. over now. You you can't fill a void. You can't fill a void of a hundred and what forty nine catches. You can you don't fill that void. Yeah, you, you just don't, man. Um, but obviously, we want to see Michael Thomas come back and play this year, just like Christian McCaffrey. Those those two are some of the best at the position. So, well, Christian McCaffrey is the best at the position. Yeah. But uh, obviously, I want to get to see Michael Thomas come back. Also, you know, I'm not going to be biased or anything, but it's because he's on my fantasy team, Bo. That's yeah, also why I, I'd like I have him. Come back. I have him in a fantasy league where if I come in last. Uh, I have to put a license plate on my car. It says I suck at fantasy football. And it's pink. Oh, that's not good. You're so gonna I need him to come back. back. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Mack tore his Achilles in week one, which, you know, whether it looks like it or not, um, was a major blow to the Colts offense. Obviously, you know, rookie Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor looks pretty good. He looks good. Rookie Jonathan Taylor is there. Pretty and good. obviously, Naheem Hines is there too, who is a good pass catching running back. Who but, is you know, moving over now. <laughs> yeah, but Mac is a very talented player. And he was practically, what's sad about it, Bo, is he was practically auditioning for other teams because he wasn't going to be there next year. When no. they drafted Jonathan Taylor, it was Marlon Mack being shown the door pretty much. It's right? a bad. And I'm it's not trying a bad to make it roll of like the it. dice for him. It, it was, and for him not to be able to show what he can do is is bad. It's just a really bad situation for me. Because Mac. honestly, he would have been a good candidate to get one of those like six or seven million dollar deals, you know, something like that for a year or two. They could just get him a good paycheck, a good consistent, you know, paycheck. You know, he would have been uh, teams who don't like to spend a lot on running backs would have loved to get Marlon Mack before oh, the century. Achilles absolutely. is tough. Um, another Colts player, safety Malik Hooker, tore his Achilles Sunday, which yeah. is a huge loss for the defense. That, but yeah, it, their defense was looking good, too. It's really hard for me to hear about this injury because that player has constantly dealt with injuries in their career. Hooker was a big-time safety coming out of Ohio State, man. He was a really good prospect, but he struggled to stay on the field since being drafted. So it's sad, man. It's really sad. He just got back to being healthy, and now he's going to miss the year again. It's not a, not, it hasn't been a good start to his football career. Um, and another Colts uh, player, wide receiver Paris Campbell, is going to miss mm-hmm. some time with a knee injury. But the good news is that he did not tear his ACL, Bo. They believe it was it's a PCL. It's, it's, it's a sprained PCL. Um, Campbell missed most of last season with injuries. Again, I don't know what it is with these Ohio State guys, Bo. Uh, but Campbell missed most of last season with an ankle issue. Um, but I'm glad this year he, it looked like he was starting in week one. He started to show that he had the potential. He was starting to show the potential everyone thought he had coming out yep. of Ohio State. And then week two, he's going to be out for some time with a PCL injury. So I love Paris Campbell. I, I wish or Paris I wish Campbell I didn't have him to him. He, no, he's such a he's such a fun player to watch, especially. If you ever get bored, go go turn that Ohio State tape on, like Jacob was saying. It's something oh, special. It was so much fun, man. So much fun. I, I was so high on him when he was being drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I hope he has a speedy recovery and gets back out there and makes plays. Uh, Von Miller, this isn't exactly something that happened during the season, but more right before the season started. Miller suffered a season-ending tendon injury in his foot before the season started, which dealt a massive blow to the Denver Broncos defense. And now Drew Locke, their quarterback, will miss two to six weeks with a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. And then Cortland Sutton, it just keeps getting worse, Bo. Cortland Sutton just just got on the field after missing week one with shoulder issues and now has a significant knee injury that will make him miss the rest of the year. Bo, it is reported, I read reports about this injury. One of the quotes said, 
he has destroyed his knee. Very, it is a lot more than an ACL, and it came out today. He has torn his ACL, his MCL, and messed up his PCL. It, that's it's terrible. bad. It's bad. Like that's that, terrible. that's a that's a career altering injury. Oh yeah. Okay. And, and he Corlin Sutton's so underrated, man. Corlin Sutton is so good. So, yeah. so good. So I, I hate that for him, man. He had just got on the field. The the Broncos are are beat up, man. They're beat up bad. I mean, I felt bad for the backup quarterback. Drew Locke went out and then Jeff Driscoll comes in just to get sacked when, seven when, times. When Corlin Sutton went off the field, you know, a lot of guys you see them when they when they know their knee is bad, like they're looking really, really down. Sutton was in like he was like he was pissed, you know. He was it's like he didn't think it was as bad as it was, and then you do all that. It's it's hard, man. It's it's sad, and I hope Cortland Sutton. I hope this isn't the end of his career, man. I you know they're not saying it's career ending, but it can be a career. Oh well, if he can come back, I think. I mean, he'll get a shot somewhere. He was playing that well. Yeah, he definitely will. And then the last one, guys, of the biggest injuries is Blake Jarwin. Tore his ACL week one and will miss the rest of the season. Uh, obviously, this is the tight end for the Cowboys. People were looking, you know, for Jarwin to have possibly, you know, they were going to, they thought he'd play a really big role in that Cowboys offense. But obviously, if that's going to happen, it's going to have to be next year now, Bo. Uh, but I will say this Dallas is now looking to Dalton Schultz to fill that void. And Dalton Schultz had a huge day this past Sunday, had nine receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. That was a big day. So, so, so obviously, you know, he's looking well, like he can fill that void. And I think one of your predictions before the season was that the Cowboys would have 3,000 receivers. Is that right? Yeah, I believe that. You yeah. know, it's looking a lot better now that the guy like Jarwin's out. Oh, come on now. I would have gotten that right either way, Bo. You can't Ooh, do that to me. I don't come know. C.D. Lamb had a big day, big day mm-hmm. Sunday. Man. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Gallup, Cooper, and C.D. Lamb are all going to have 1,000 yards receiving. If Randall Cobb can get 800 and the other two can get a, get 1,000, then I think C.D. Lamb can get the other 200. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I think C.D. Lamb is more talented than uh, Randall Cobb, and he can get an extra 200. I think a lot of it could depend on how many games the Cowboys are leading, too. You know, well, well, I mean, there's a lot of if, factors. If they go up and Zeke's you know, running well, you never know. They're not, I'm they're saying not I don't care well. about the factors. I'm saying it's going to yeah. happen. So, okay. so I'm, I'm that confident. I'm that confident, man. Right, uh, right. Uh, guys... We're now going to do our top five MVP candidates, and this will be updated. This is your, this is your way too early MVP race. It is, it is, Bo. And I and you want do you want me to say my top five or do you want to go top five? I mean, we can. I, first off, I'm going to start out by saying that mine are all quarterbacks. Oh, well, mine because, are. So there's there's okay, nobody. I, a, I don't think there's anybody right now. Yeah, it's a quarterback award, award, and I don't think anyone's going off right now. There's just not enough production from the other guys to say something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm going to go 5-1. to one. I'm just going to do it pretty quick, Bo. Um, number five for me is uh, – well, I just lost it in my notes. I want to have my notes, make sure I don't say something wrong here. Number five for me is Lamar Jackson. Okay. I, think it's, I think it's highly unlikely that a player wins back-to-back MVPs. But I think if anyone can do it, it's a guy like Lamar Jackson that can do it with both his, his legs and his arm. And I think he has the perfect offense around him to do it. Good offensive line. I just think I just can see Lamar Jackson still being in the race, and I, I think he is. I think he will be for the rest of the year. Um, number four for me, Bo. It's it, this is this see this is when I want to. This is this is the part of the podcast that I want to talk to you, just mm-hmm. to you. Me and you had a conversation just about two weeks ago. You're telling me, you know, about Kyler Murray and MVP and in the future and stuff like that. Well, Bo, number four for me in the MVP race right now is Kyler Murray. And okay. it feels so good to say that. It feels so good to say that. Um, I'm gonna tell you, this, number four. He, I have missed number four, but I think he, I think he can. I think he can come on up the ranks. Don't worry I don't about think it. He'll win it. Just, just, just I don't listen. think he'll get one MVP vote. 
you just listen, Bo. So I'm going to tell you a number. Kyler Murray this year is the first quarterback in NFL history to record 150 or more rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns in the first two games of the season. First one mm-hmm. ever, Bo. Murray also has the Cardinals sitting at 2-0 and and atop the division. Bo got, got the Cardinals looking real good. Has five total touchdowns, two interceptions right now. But he has become an even, even bigger rushing threat. As I said earlier, he's become an even bigger rushing threat. And he, he's pretty much – it looks like he, he's learned how hard it actually is to defend him. I think he's he's using it to his advantage now. So I, I think he's going to have a big, big year. Number three is is Patrick Mahomes. He led his team on a game-winning drive um, Sunday in overtime in week two, and he continues to do Mahomes things. So obviously when you do Mahomes things and you, you, you know, lead game-winning drives in overtime, you're going to be a little bit in the MVP race. And it's Patrick Mahomes, man. How could he not be there? You know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes, I think, for from now to a decade, will will be in the MVP, P, MVP race every year. Every year. Um, no, number two for me is Aaron Rodgers. Has his team sitting at 2-0 and after he torched both the Vikings and the Lions secondaries. Now, again, the Lions nor the Vikings have good secondaries. But that's not the point, is it, Bo? That's not the point. No. He, he currently has 600 yards, six touchdowns, zero he's, interceptions. He's doing what he's supposed to against bad secondaries, which is putting up numbers. It looks like, I'm going to tell you what I think is happening. Rodgers right now looks like he's trying to prove a point after the Packers drafted a quarterback in the offseason. Absolutely, because he, I think he could, be, he could be, this could be him playing for a contract elsewhere. Absolutely. It, it could be, it could be. And Bo, number one, and I mean, it, it just, I'll tell you what, Bo, when I make predictions, man, it just seems like they, they almost happen. Russell Wilson is number one for me, Bo, right now. He has an 83% completion percentage in the first two weeks. First player in NFL history to ever do that. Only one other player has ever thrown for more touchdowns in their first two games of a season than the nine Wilson has thrown in the first two weeks this season. You know who that one player was, Bo? Who? Patrick Mahomes in 2018 when he won the MVP. Mm. And through the first two games of the year, Wilson's stat line is 52 of 63. Now, Bo, I don't know if you know, but that is – that is just 11 interceptions, I mean interceptions, incompletions, nine touchdowns, and one interception that wasn't his fault. It was not his fault. If anyone else watched the game, the Patriots game, Russell Wilson hit Greg Olson right in the hands. I don't think you could have thrown a better ball. Greg Olson <laughs> pops it up in the air, and Stephon Gilmore takes it. No, Devin McCourty uh, take, took advantage of it. So those are my that's my top five MVP ranks, man. I think Russell Wilson has has a firm hold on the lead right now, though. I think right now he, this is his best. He's never started a year like this. I think his best case to get an MVP award, or you know, at this point, just to get a vote because he's never gotten one, is this yeah, year. I agree. He's he's playing very well, and he's he's probably honestly he's he's okay. He's he's at my number one right now. Yes, that's, that's what you want to hear. But also, you're a little hard on me about the Kyler Murray thing. Uh, even though I don't think he'll get one MVP vote this year. You're a little hard on me about the Kyle Murray thing when I was very easy on you about the NFC North I don't North think I was thing. hard enough. You were, oh, I don't think I was hard enough about your NFC North predictions. Oh, come on now. Talking about how good the Vikings were going to be, you crapping on the on the Packers and Aaron. All Rodgers. right, all right, all right. Well, let's, all let's, right, not, yeah. let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not, let's get let's bored, not sling. I'm just saying, you, all right, you started the slinging. <laughs> Uh, you guys get bored going dialing back to the Tampa Bay episode. Let me know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Laura, well, I mean, you pretty much said a lot of it. My, So I don't believe that I think the MVP, we should be doing this in a top three. Um, the top five, the four and five are not likely to get MVP votes. Um, so it's kind of hard to put them in it. Uh, but my five, a guy I think has been balling out, uh, I think he's taken another leap. 
Uh, love watching him play football. He's definitely not going to be the MVP. Probably won't get a vote, but I think he's so far this season, he's been balling. And Josh Allen's my number Let's five. Go. Let's go. Let's go. I was hoping you would have him in there, man. Yeah, he's my he's my number five. I've he's got like seven hundred some yards of of offense, and he's got seven TDs right now or six TDs right now. No picks. Uh, I think they've let up some sacks that led to a fumble or two, but I mean he's not throwing pick sixes. You know, and that's that's a big thing. As long as he doesn't get too many turnovers, I mean, he's more likely to throw more picks than he is to have fumbles. So the two fumbles doesn't scare me too much right now. And he's a big guy with big hands. I think he'll hold on to the ball. You know, in in the in the long term things. You know, with the season. So I got him at number five. He's balling out. I mean, running guys over on the field. You know, his division's pretty. He's got four easy games in the Dolphins and the Jets. Um, I think they're going to win the division this year. So he's going to be on a winning team that's successful with a good defense. You know, so they got more primetime games. So he's going to get the exposure. So he's my dark horse at five. Um, my number four is Lamar because I think he's always in it. He's going to be always in it. Well, I would say he's going to be in it for the next probably six, eight years. He's going to be in this conversation every year for Lamar. So Lamar Jackson, I mean, his team is just so dominant. It's hard to, he doesn't have to do it all this year. His team is dominant as a whole. Um, and then my number three uh, is uh, Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, I, I didn't put them in order. I just kind of like scribbled little things next to them to know which ones I like thought was going to be higher than the other one. I just started writing down my, the five names I knew was in my head. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers is my number three. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is having he's, – he's looking like Aaron Rodgers of old. I mean, he's he's absolutely killing it. Uh, he's accurate with the football. He's not making mistakes. He's he's the guy that we've, that we've been watching our whole life right now. Yeah, he is. Like I want to say this. I think Rodgers – we're watching the Rodgers that we've been missing for the last three years. Yeah, and a lot of it's due to injury and, and stuff like that. But And I think that – I don't know who could do this much with the weapons that he has. You know, and they're and they're really hammering home the run game. Um, they're letting Aaron Jones absolutely ride right now, and I think that's what they needed what they needed to do to make up for the lack of drafting of offensive playmakers. You know, to help Aaron Rodgers in the receiving game. So, I mean, they're getting a lot of contributions from a lot of people. They really and, are. I mean, they're they're looking good, and their defense is is not as good as last year, I don't think, but they're playing just fine to keep them in the game. So. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is my number three, and the Packers, I think, are a big-time contender in the NFC if they keep playing the way they are. Um, and then it's Mahomes is my number two. Um, I mean, Mahomes doing Mahomes things uh, yesterday against the Chargers, struggles at the beginning, and then comes out and ultimately gets the job done. I mean, that's that's the Mahomes we know and we're going to know for the next 20 years. Um, so he's going to be right there in it, and he's my he's my, MV, my MVP pick for this season anyway, so I had to put him in my top two. And then you're right. Russell Wilson, as of this week, is is absolutely on fire. Uh, he's throwing the best football around right now. He is in he is in December form in week two, and yeah, I love it. It's so much fun to watch. So you know, but something me and you talked about, and I, I really hammered home, you know, in earlier episodes, was that Russell Wilson has the best. I told you he has the best weapons. I think he's ever had right now. Yeah. He said, that, you know, I, I hammered that in the offseason. I just said his tight end room is deep. He's got Chris Carson, right? The offensive lines, all right, the, the defense, they added Jamal Adams, but but that's not one of his weapons. But I'm saying the team in general, he's got DK, who's taken another step clearly. Tyler Lockett and him, they just have amazing chemistry. Right? Yeah, their line might be at the healthiest it's been in a few years. Exactly. They're exactly. playing pretty decent. 
Exactly. So I love it, man. I, I I love all the guys that you said. I was so happy you put Josh Allen in there, man. It was so hard to keep him out of mind. So I love Josh Allen. I love, I love Josh, Josh Allen too, man. I love, I love the way he plays could, football. He's like they're like my like the Bills and Josh Allen are like my football mistress. They're like the team that I love to watch behind closed doors. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you saw the other day when he was running. He he scrambled out of the pocket, went out the left side of the pocket, and and met Cal, Kyle Van Noy head on. And I mean, trucked. It was a truck slash stiff yeah, arm. Kyle Noy to the Kyle Van Noy to the ground. Some, uh, anger on on Van Noy. <laughs> it, it's impressive, man. I mean, that guy's a tank. Josh Allen yeah. is a tank, and he, he's strong. He's a quick guy too. He's quicker mm-hmm. on his feet than you would think a guy. Good athlete would be. Yeah, very very good ac- athlete. Amazing how a guy like him ended up at Wyoming. I know, right? I know. I've read a lot about what his you know his recruiting story. You know, the story about him getting recruited. Nobody really? was offering him, right? Wyoming really? was pretty much the biggest name school that offered him. And he was like, all That's right. Wild. He, he said he was, was just going to go out there. Was he big when he came out? He, I, I think he grew some at Wyoming. But the biggest mm-hmm. thing was is that, you know, they just didn't they just didn't believe him because he played at a small in a small town, small, small school. Yeah. They, they, he didn't get much, you know, uh, media attention. No competition in high school. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he just always said that he'd make, you know. Not everybody credit. can go to modern day or IMG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Um, guys, we're going to move into NCAA talk right now. And the, the biggest topic right now in the NCAA, for me at least, is the Big Ten is back. It, the Big Ten is coming back. But the Pac-12 isn't. The Pac-12 is being a little uh, selfish right now. But, hey, I think I think they will end up coming back. Um, but the, for the Big Ten, Bo. We actually get to watch Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, all the other great teams in the Big Ten play this season. Um, the vote was unanimous last week on Wednesday for the conference to play football in the fall of 2020. I'm so happy about this for many different reasons, Bo. Mm-hmm. I get to watch all the great teams and athletes in the Big Ten play this season. We yep. actually get to have tape on some of the top players what's, from the what's conference. college that- football without Ohio State, you know? Exactly, exactly. Um, but we're going to get to watch some tape on the guys that we thought we would have a hard time evaluating without film. Yep. Right. Um, but I do have one massive question, and I want to see your take on this, Bo. I, I know my own takes. So I want to see your take. If a player has opted out due to this uncertainty around whether the conference was going to play or not, can these guys now opt back in and play this season? For instance, Bo, let's, let, okay, think about this. Sean Wade has opted out, but he has not signed with an agent yet. So can he now say he will play this season? That's what I'm wondering. What will the conference allow? If you have not signed with an agent, then I think you should be able to go back. Because think about it, in the NBA draft, right? When you sign with an agent, you can't go back but to college. But it, ha- it hasn't worked that way with football forever, though. That's true. That's if true. You but say, I do- if you say I'm out, you're out. Okay, well, but see, there is this no take back. The, the, the problem NBA. I have with people saying, oh, well, you know, it, it's never been like that. Well, that's fine, but we've never had a situation like this, like COVID. You know what I mean? Like, this is different for everybody. I think there should be different outcomes as think well. It's, do you think the NCAA doesn't let them back because it excludes the players from, like, NCAA rules they could break when they're not an NCAA athlete? That's a good question. That's okay. You know, like, like maybe they're not subject to things that, like, the like I, I, I don't know how to word that, but maybe they're not subject to some of the things they could get punished for, you know, whether that be money from people from the outside, stuff like okay, that, so, so, so they could take, you know? M- that could be it. My thing is Sean Wade, obviously Ohio State cornerback, right? Mm-hmm. Top player, top thirty player in the draft. Okay, so I think so. If if they're saying the Big Ten can play now, 
I think it'd be upsetting if Sean Wade said, "Okay, well now I have the I have not, you know the opportunity to still go get drafted, but I can now still play football and have a chance at winning a national championship." And I think it would. I don't know why they would keep him from from not doing that if he hasn't signed with an agent. I just I, mean, I just think they should be allowed there, to. I mean, it would hurt them. It would hurt their overall product, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that I think they should let him come back. That was and just my question. a business, just like any other football league. Exactly. I just wanted to hear your your take on it, man. I mean, um, but it, I do think it is a possibility. Would you personally, consider? personally, I think it'd be great if they let them come back and play. Do I believe the NCAA is going to do the right thing and let them? No. Okay. All right. So you're saying no. You don't think it. Happens. I'm going to say no. I don't think it's going to happen. But morally, I believe, yeah, they should be able to. But I don't think the NCAA is going to do the right thing by them and let them. I mean, the, the NCAA, I mean, you can sit here and say the NCAA has not always ever took care of their uh, college athletes. I think they've been a, just a for-profit, you know, they corporation have, for a long they time. Are. They, they are. A lot of times, you know, that, that's what it comes off as sometimes. As yeah. sad as that is, it comes off like that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. All I'm saying is I want to watch Sean Wade play football this year. And if he wants to play football, he should be allowed to. That's I mean, all I'm saying. It's pretty clear that playing football – as long as they're careful, I know it's different in college. I know in college that there's the kids aspect, the bad decision making, the parties, the groups, you know, around everywhere, just the whole communal living thing. I mean, a lot of them live on campus. It will be harder to contain them from getting COVID, but it's not going to happen on the football field to them. Yeah. You know, I, I agree mean, with that. And, and, and you know, a lot of places are having fans and it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's gonna. It's going to be. I, I want. I, I want to wait and see what happens. I want to see how how this all pans out with the NCAA and these guys trying to opt back in. Um, also, by the way, shout out to Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, who is probably the biggest name player in the conference, for getting a petition going after the Big Ten said they were going to cancel the season. He got three hundred thousand signatures on his petition saying that they wanted big 10 football so shout out to justin fields man that's awesome that's awesome is that just from the public i mean yeah from the public he just went out and basically got three hundred thousand signatures saying that they basically wonder how many of them were ex-players oh i'm sure a lot of them were i'm sure a lot of them were fans i mean that's a lot of signatures man so let me tell you this the fact that he did that the fact that he wanted to play football that bad that didn't just that didn't just make him look like a like a great football player. Think about the GMs and the scouts that are taking note of that. Okay, like they're like, okay, this guy really wants to play ball. Like this guy will do anything he can to play the sport he loves. He, he mean, loves that, it. Yeah, that means a lot in, in a draft profile. That means a lot to GMs, yeah. and scouts, man. So so Justin Fields, he uh, won some people over and won some big time people over for that. I mean that that could help his draft stock a lot. So so that's awesome to see. I didn't As know that. For, that's really cool. Yeah, as for the Pac-12, uh, the Pac-12 could start late October as of right now. That's the latest they have come out with. The conference is also possibly allowing their teams to start practicing soon. So they do not know when they're going to start, but they're looking like late October could be the best uh, potential starting point right now. And we will keep you updated with what happens with that. Um, Bo, let's get into it, man. I, w- I told you I wanted to know who your favorite were, favorites were to be in the college football playoff. I've got my four teams. Okay. okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say my team. My number one seed is Ohio State. Now I'm going to say this: it depends on whether some of their players that have opted out are coming back. Okay, or allowed that, to come back. Or allowed to come back. That that's a big part. But if they are, 
and maybe even if they aren't, man, Ohio State's loaded, uh, especially with Justin Fields. I mean, the, guy, the guys backing them up are probably freshmen. They're going to go pro one day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's, I mean, these guys, they know how to recruit. These schools are, are top tier in that. Um, yeah. But number one seed for me is Ohio State. Number two seed is Clemson. Uh, number three is Georgia. That is not biased. I, I expect Georgia to have the best defense in the country this year. It just depends on who the quarterback is. JT Daniels has not been medically cleared to play yet from his ACL tear last year. So we got to keep an eye on that. If it's not him, it's going to be Dwayne Mathis, who had to undergo um, emergency brain surgery last hmm. year. So it's it's a toss-up to see. And now, now, Dwayne Mathis has been – uh, claimed healthy he is fine but JT Daniels looks like the favorite if he can get medically cleared and number four is Alabama I'm just not the reason I have two SEC teams being Georgia and Alabama Georgia plays Alabama week three in the SEC I think they're going to split those two games okay that's obviously a huge game if either one of them can beat the other one that, that means a lot to the uh, playoff committee huge it's like it, the, a lot. the game it's like that's the game you got to win so I'm saying they're going to split two games. You're probably wondering what two games is that? What's the SEC championship? Because I think Georgia's going to be representing the East and Alabama will be representing the West. So I think they will split those games. Vice versa, I don't know how they're going to be split. But I think whatever team loses, you know, the first game will come back and win the second one. And I think they both can get into the playoff. But who are your four teams? Right now, I had to get Ohio State in it. They're, and Justin Fields is going to be there. Is that they're not having that party without inviting Justin Fields. It's just not happening. <laughs> but so my number one, the seed is Clemson. Uh, my number two is Bama. My number three is Ohio State. And my number four coming in is Georgia. And um, I'm not as hype about Georgia as you are. I think they just struggle to get across the finish line some years. Um, Bama's just kind of been there, done that kind of team. So, you know, and LSU is going to be young this year, but. You don't know what you're going to get with that with that Ogeron. I mean, they could come out and still be just as good. You never yeah, know. Yeah, I, I agree um, with that. There, there so, are sleepers like Florida. Yeah. Florida's a sleeper for me. Kyle Trask is really good. That team is loaded. So I think Florida could be a sleeper as well. I'm just not high. Okay, you're not. You you think I'm a little bit too high on Georgia? I think I'm not saying you're too high on Georgia. I mean, Georgia. Are they're my number four right now, but I'm saying that that number four spot is going to be a big controversy. I think this year it's going to be there's. To, there's three big names that are that are just there every year, Clemson, Bama, Ohio State. You know what yeah, I mean? I agree. They're, with that. Just, I they're always that. in that picture, but that four is always a who knows. Yeah, absolutely. I think if Georgia gets there, it's it's a lot because of the defense. We had yeah. the, pretty much the best defense in the league last year. It didn't That's look like normally it, their focus, isn't it? Well, a lot of times it is that in the run game. You know, and Kirby but Smart I, I, came from Bama's defense. It doesn't matter a lot of times. We had the best defense almost by far last year and look what joe burrow and lsu did to us you know I mean, so so it, it, it's going to come down college to the, now man, it is college i'm There's just no, not a no believer one, you're not pitching shutouts anymore it just doesn't no, happen. you're not you're not i'm not a believer in mac jones at alabama though it didn't look like now i know he wasn't expecting to have to come in and play for would two it, last would it year be the first subpar quarterback in alabama history to win a championship no it would not be yeah <laughs> okay i mean basically you just do what well, you just throw the ball to their unbelievable, their stable of wide receivers, and yeah. or hand it off to their stable of running backs. And their NFL make the, uh, make the five right don't. NFL offensive linemen. Yeah, you don't have to blow anyone away as an Alabama quarterback. Most of the time, if you just you know make the throws, keep make, their head above water, make good decisions. Don't don't put the ball in in bad situations. Alabama will succeed. But I just don't have Mac Jones, man. I I, I think Mac Jones is a, is a good good player, but I, I do not think that he can get them to the college football 
I, I don't think he can win. I don't think he can win the college football playoff. That's okay. why I have been. That's a better way to put it than get there. <laughs> no, no, I have them getting there. They're but getting I don't, there. I, I don't think. I don't think they can win it with Mac Jones. When was the last time Bama didn't make some? Didn't make. You know, I guess the playoffs only been around a few years, but Bama's not going to be missing that thing. Well, Bama, soon. Bama didn't make it last year. Oh, well, true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. but that's also because, but that was a that was a wasn't a normal season. Tua went down with an injury, yeah. right? But uh, but I think we pretty much we have the same teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you you brought up Oklahoma. I could see where you could have that Spencer Rattler though in his first year. Even though Lincoln Riley is the quarterback whisperer of the college ranks, um, I don't think it's Spencer Rattler is going to be really good. Like. Really come to, and come to think of it, the Oklahoma defense is always kind of skeptical. What, what's hilarious? I mean, it's not hilarious. I, you know, I'm not trying to put fun at anything, but I think it's funny. You know, Oklahoma for the past three years is they're like, whoa, you better watch out for this Oklahoma team in the college football playoff. And then they get there and they just get absolutely mollywopped because they, they just can't they can't guard they can't yeah, defend. They can't. And um, it, it's just a story. I feel like we watch the line year. of scrimmage isn't even remotely fair. No, it's not. It's not at all. Um. But guys, I want to talk about this a little bit. These are some big names players that have uh, decided to opt out. Now we talked about players opting out last week. Um, we're going to talk about it this week as well. Three of my top five offensive tackle prospects have a- opted out. My number one ranked prospect, Penny Sewell out of Oregon, has opted out. Um, I'm hoping we get him in the draft. Hope the Bengals get him, and I think we may be in the position to do so. Um, my fourth ranked offensive tackle, Walker Little out of Stanford, has opted out, and my fifth ranked offensive tackle prospect Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan has opted out. So a lot of the offensive tackle prospects though big, are not trying to stay healthy. Yeah, they they they're trying to stay healthy, man. It's good, it's good, it's a good offensive tackle class. It really is. I've well, watched... you remember you remember when COVID hit the NFL, it was a lot of linemen ducking out, a lot of big guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um but but I think it's it's a good offensive tackle pro- prospect class, man. I think there's a lot a lot of good guys in there. I've watched a lot of film on them. Penny Sewell though, Bo, I'm saying I'm trying to gauge. All right, there was there was a gap between Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb and the rest of the wide receivers. I think Henry Ruggs is up there, but you know that it was Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb were were the top two last year, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's that kind of gap that you have between Penny Sewell and the second ranked guy this year. Oh yeah. Like Penny Sewell is probably the safest draft pick. I think overall he's the best player in the draft. Like he's that safe. Like, I mean, de- depending on. Who's number one? He could be the number one. He could be. He absolutely could be. If Bengals get the number one pick, I guarantee you they take Sue Will. I, I, I agree. I mean, they have to. I mean, we've all watched the games. But, but they could swap out to number they could swap picks back to number three and still probably get him. Exactly, exactly. So so I think Sewell is definitely gonna become a, a member of the Bengals. Hopefully, that's that's my hope, man, because I would love to get him there. Um also I'm gonna say this. We talked about him a little bit a bit ago. Ohio State cornerback Sean Wade has also opted out and will be focusing on getting ready for the NFL combine and the draft. Um Wade is my top ranked corner in the class right now. And also do Ohio State's getting hit hard. Um, Ohio State is losing a huge piece of its offensive line um, and guard Wyatt Davis. Davis has opted out and will be focused on, focusing on his transition to the next level as well. Um, Davis is currently my top-ranked interior offensive lineman. So it's, it's a lot of guys for Ohio State, man. Now, I do think Wyatt Davis, though, has signed with an agent so or hired an agent. Well, but, I mean, uh, and we still don't know if that's going to matter or not. It yet. may not matter. It may not. But I do think if, if you've if you've gotten with an agent, I don't think there's any chance of you coming back. I really yeah. don't. I just, only the guys I just that don't see the NCAA letting them come, letting them come back. Well, we'll see, man. They, they probably won't. 
because what you know, NCAA a lot of times hasn't done right by the players. No. So, so no. you'd, you'd probably right. You're making a good point there. Um, and a little bit of NFL draft talk, guys. And this is just going to be one thing I want to key in on. As of right now, as of the end of week two, the top five picks in the 2021 NFL draft would be number one overall, the Panthers. Number two overall, the Falcons. Number three overall, the Bengals. Number four overall, Detroit. And number five overall, the Vikings. That is per tankathon.com, which keeps up with all of this week to week and hour to hour. Five. Whew. Ooh, I know, man. It, se- it sounds like it's almost unfair. I mean, that's, that's unfair. crazy. It's unfair. Now, I'm, I'm going to dive into this a little bit. The Panthers, if they get the number one overall pick, man, I know everyone's going to say Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, I think they should go Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields fits that scheme better, that Joe Brady scheme. Matt Rule is an up- up-tempo guy, right? I just think having Justin Fields in that offense, with you know how hard they'd be to defend with Justin Fields and Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. imagine, man. I honestly crazy? imagine that. I Do you mean, think I, if the I Panthers get number one, they'll take Lawrence? I'm going to be honest with you. I think they take Fields. I, I think they would take Fields. I think, again, they would see that he's a better scheme fit. I don't know. I think they'd take Lawrence. I just you don't know, see how you ever could ever since, pass ever up since, Trevor Lawrence. Ever since Lawrence came to, you know, came to Clemson, dude, he's been looked at like the, the best prospect since um, – who's a guy? Peyton Manning. <laughs> Probably Peyton, yeah, probably Peyton Manning, and he was. I think he, I think he is an, I think he is an unbelievable prospect, but I don't think he's. I don't think he is as high of a caliber as people are making him out to be. I, I will argue. I've watched a ton of film on both of them. Man. I will argue that Justin Fields is a better passer. And obviously, yeah. obviously, now I'm not going to say Justin Fields is a whole lot more mobile. We saw what Trevor Lawrence did to Ohio State with his legs. Right. I mean, we all saw that. It was like about a 55 yard run down the left yeah. sideline. Yeah. I mean, this guy was out running DBs, but I think, I don't know. I just think Trevor Lawrence is a fantastic prospect. And whoever gets him is getting a winner and a franchise quarterback and a potential MVP caliber quarterback. But I think saying this is the, the best guy since Peyton Manning, I mean, I think that's a little bit much. I just, I, I really do believe that. Um, the Falcons, Bo, at number two overall. <sighs> I, I don't know what direction they would go. Uh, I don't know because I, I don't I don't yeah I, <laughs> I, I I understand that, but I don't know if there is a linebacker. Micah Parsons is Safeties? the top linebacker in I the mean, draft. They probably need a corner. Like <laughs> I think, they, how about this? I'll tell you this. I guarantee you, if the Falcons get the number two overall pick, they trade back because the reason I say that is there is no defender in the upcoming draft that is worthy of the number two overall pick. The the next defender that's going to be worthy of a top three pick is Derek Stingley Jr., uh, Jr. the cornerback at LSU. There's no one in this draft in the 2021 draft class that is worthy of being a number but it's, two overall pick. Sure, and the and the trade back doesn't mean that they can't get the defensive players they need, though. Yeah, I, I mean, know, no, they, there's going to be I, I plenty that, that come out of this draft that are going to be I'm just saying players. at number two. I'm saying number two. If they get to number two, they're trading back. Yeah, right. I'm I just with that. Definitely. They're I a great definitely. candidate for that. Number three, the Bengals. I think we go offensive line, and this is the best offensive lineman. I know the Giants took Andrew Thomas last year. I, I, he's a Georgia boy. I love Andrew Thomas. But he he's not on the level of Penny Sewell. He's not. Penny Sewell's his film is immaculate. Like it, you almost see no weaknesses. It, it's 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 pretty amazing to watch. His film is just fantastic. His technique. His weakness might be the conference he's playing in, and that's it. That that's got to be it. It's got to be the only weakness, really. They're they're gonna maybe have some people come out and say, well, he didn't face top tier pass rushers. He didn't. I mean, it, it will be a small jump for him, but yeah. 
I, I just think the Bengals have got to go that direction. They, they, mm-hmm. they can't go any other direction. Uh, for, no, for Detroit at number four, again, man, I see them as a trade-back candidate. I don't, I don't know who they could take. Well, maybe, maybe like what you're they getting could go at Michael teams with a, What you're getting at is teams that already have that franchise quarterback are always going to be trade-back guys, trade-back teams. They because also, they, they need more pieces. I, I disagree with that, Bo, because I think if you, if you have a – if there is a uh, like top wide receivers go certain top really early now, I think if the Jets were up in the top five right now, I think Jamar Chase is an option. But we just talked about how we don't know if the, that we Darnold could be tainted. You know, we just talked about that. We, we did just talk about that. But I'm saying if there's a like a receiver needy team, like it needs something on its offense, and they're in the top five in this draft, they're taking they're they're staying, and it, not just because they don't need a quarterback. Yeah. You know, what I mean, they're staying for Jamar Chase or somebody like that. Well, I don't, which you know, I don't think the Falcons or the Lions you know need that for sure. No, they don't. But. They got Kennedy Galladay. The Lions got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. Uh, they just drafted DeAndre Swift. They got Carryon Johnson. They got T.J. Hawkinson. They They've got good guys good, to catch. Yeah, they got a lot of guys out there in the offense. It's just the Lions are just a, a really bad. Uh, it, it's just a bad situation. Let me let me say. Can I? I'm a rant for a minute. The, the Lions organization is so interesting to me. Look at what they did last year. So so who did they? What did they draft? What did they draft? Bo in the the uh, 2020 draft. They drafted a lockdown corner, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and, and then Swift. Yeah. Round okay. Two. But, but they drafted a lockdown corner in the and you know top three in the draft. And then, but they also traded away a lockdown corner. Well, if you wanted to have a lockdown secondary, you know, they didn't trade away Darius Slay for that pick. They could have kept Darius Slay and kept Jeff Okuda and had a lockdown secondary. But instead, you trade one lockdown corner for another one. I, I, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. What I would have done if I was them, if you want me to be 100% honest with you, if I was them, I probably would have, as much as I don't think was Trafford, Stafford should be traded. What they should have done probably last year is traded Stafford, got draft capital, kept Darius Slay, drafted uh, Jeff Okuda, and then spent another uh, draft pick on a quarterback. If you may be honest with you. On a quarterback? Yeah. Like if you could, maybe mm-hmm. you don't take Jeff Okuda, right? Maybe you don't take Jeff Okuda at three. Maybe you take Tua. And, you, mm-hmm. you, so you, and then you still have uh, draft capital from the trade you have with Stafford. But why and take you, and Tua? You get a corner later. Well, you don't need Tua. I understand, but I'm saying if Stafford, if you want to start something new in Detroit, there's got to be something new started there, man. Staff, I think it's the coaching. Just, Stafford's just getting his ass kicked every week. He's playing great ball, but can't ever win. They need a new coach and new offense. Yeah, but how long is it going to take to get the right coach? You know Do what you I mean? you really think Stafford's not the guy? No, Stafford is the guy. Stafford 100% has the talent. But I'm telling to, you, but when you team. do this thing where you bring in a guy like Tua, you're, you are, you know, whether you like it or not, you are, it is nothing but a ticking time bomb to push out the old guy. You're no, I'm create saying the old guy would have already been gone. I think you're already missing what I'm gone. saying. Already gone, okay. I, I'm, saying, I'm saying you keep Darius Slay you, and you trade Matthew Stafford. So obviously you still have the number three yeah. overall pick. You I'm, spend I'm against up. all things that let go of Matthew Stafford. I, you know how hard it is for me to say that. You know, you know how big of a Stafford fan I am. But I just think they've got to do something new in Detroit, man. I, I just don't, don't want to see how that is it, though. Sometimes a big changeup is what teams need, man. Plus, you can also send Stafford to a team that's more in position to win. You, I think you, you want to offload that contract. You, you offload that contract too, man. You get some cap space from it. I mean, that that's the lines are tied up, man. They are. Yeah. But but again, I'm Franchise not trying to quarterback ties everybody up. I'm not trying to go on a huge rant, but but I, I just had to say some of that. Um, the Vikings at five, like you said, but it's almost unfair. 
uh, or like I said, I don't know which one of us said it, but it's almost unfair for the Vikings to have the number five overall draft pick. I don't think they're going to stay there. Obviously, I do not think they're going to end up there. But clearly, if that did happen, they would have to go. They would have to go defense. You know, unless Justin Jefferson never yeah, shows have, out, unless, they'd unless they'd Jefferson still in the secondary. Yeah, unless Jefferson never took that next step, and you were like, okay, maybe we need Chase. You know what I mean? Which would be really weird getting those two guys that would play on the same team together, but. Or either, you know, you, you go Sean Wade. I don't know. You go a guy like Sean Wade. That's Maybe you probably, get it. That's probably the direction I'd see him going. Yeah. Go Sean Wade or, or Caleb Farley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Yeah. I would, I, I would say they well, they need the secondary help. I mean, they have they have the front seven. They're, they're really lacking depth in the back end. Yeah. It's interesting, man. I think it's just I was cool with all. Well, I was I was I was all right with all the other teams in there. Like the Falcons kind of caught me off guard to see them that high. But, um, and I don't think they're going to stay that high either. But the the you know the Bengals, Detroit, and uh, the Panthers, you know, they had high draft picks this year. So you know they didn't catch me off guard. But seeing the Falcons and the Vikings there kind of caught me off guard a little bit. But you know, if the, if the season ended today, though, guys, that would be the draft order: the Panthers at one, Falcons at two, Bengals at three, Detroit at four, and Vikings at five. But that was that would be how they. Yeah, the draft I see be. that. I see that changing. But. Oh, it's going to change a lot. Now I don't know about my Bengals. They they love it down there in the early early picks. But <laughs> that, they they love it, man. That, that's where they love yeah, to be at. But, I don't uh, think I see Atlanta win a few games. Yo, Atlanta's going to win, and the Vikings are going to win too, man. I think the Panthers are going to get some wins. I don't see the Panthers having the number one overall pick unless right now they start seeing okay. Maybe we need to like figure something out for the draft. Maybe, maybe Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields is our guy. Yeah, that's know? what I'm thinking with this Christian McCaffrey thing. You know, he was like, "Whoa, we, we, I'm optimistic," and then all of a sudden, oh, it's four to six weeks. You know, we're taking our yeah. time with him. It's interesting, man. It, it is interesting. Um, but guys, as always, go follow Blitzalytics on Twitter at Blitzalytics and visit Blitzalytics.com. Go to the members tab, find Jacob Patterson, and find and read the scouting reports I've written and the articles. Um, please go follow me, Jacob Patterson, on Twitter at ScoutingLLC and follow TSR on Instagram at Scouting underscore LLC. Bo, tell them where to find you, man. You can find me on Twitter, uh, capital TSR, lowercase B-E-A-U. That's TSR Bo. And you can find me on still curtain.com um i'm right now i think tomorrow i'll be putting out my i'll be submitting it'll either come out tomorrow night or wednesday morning i'm not sure yet um my reflection on the nfl.com power rankings for this week so be sure to check that out all clicks and views are welcomed as always guys go subscribe go give a review and go tsr peace out everybody peace